0: if you find this episode helpful consider becoming a kettle knight simply click the join button on our youtube channel and become a podcast supporter ladies and gentlemen welcome to another powerful episode of the kettle knights podcast i have with me a legend in the in europe as far when it comes to the world of Kirvoy sport of kettlebell sport i have with me gregor sobo chan So I have heard about Gregor from multiple corners. I've talked to a lot of kettlebell folks and they've, uh, some of them directed me to Gregor's book. I read it and I I, I told him before we got started with the podcast, unfortunately I can't find it again. So I have to to maybe buy from you again. I will send uh, one copy to you. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I have to reread it, reread it. And I'm really uh, flattered that you're joining the podcast because it's always fun and always fascinating to talk to people who have achieved something in, in the kettlebell world, not only from an athletic point of view, but also you've been a coach, you've pushed the idea of kettlebell sport and get a voice sport. So uh, Gregor, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, uh, hello and thank you for having me and also for the introduction. I haven't heard so many good things about me lately. So you can <laughs> okay. repeat it again if you want to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we're already friends, right? I, I'm so we... <laughs> awesome. So, Gregor, uh, as we always do with all the guests that we have on our podcast, please give a, your give us your backstory. How did you get started with kettlebells? Why did you choose the kettlebell sport route and your achievements and what happened until until now?
1: So the story is pretty long. I hope we have enough time.
0: Yeah, we have.
1: Uh, We do. do. (laughs) Um, I was a handball player, the European style handball. Um, I was not pretty talented. Uh, I mean, I I could play, but um, mostly because I was a little bit stronger than everybody else. And as I was progressing up the leagues as I was getting older, um, I was running out of the options to getting stronger. So I was searching a little bit for new material and how to get this edge a little bit more. So how can I extend my career among professionals? And I ran into Pavel Tzatzulin's book, Power to the People.
0: As we all have. Yeah, many of us have. Everybody has.
1: I suggest that book uh, to anybody, even though it doesn't have to do anything with kettlebells. It's more powerlifting stuff. But at the end of this book, I really liked it. I read it, I think, in two days, and then I, I used the programs from it. So at the end of the book, there were um, commercials for this RKC Russian Kettlebell Challenge. Uh, so I was digging into kettlebells, and I have to say, this was before the Facebook time. It was in 2001, 2002. Yeah. So it's before the Facebook started. So I was mm-hmm. starting using the internet. I was 21 years old, 21, 22 so yeah i was i was digging for it i didn't have my credit card number so one friend of mine ordered another book uh the russian capital challenge book and we also had those videotapes yeah of course explain for the for the young generation they're
0: they're so legendary right now it's 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 legendary material yeah keep going
1: yeah it was a videotape there was this was before cds or DVDs yeah, or whatever. So. It,
0: it, isn't it isn't it crazy that you know this is twenty years ago, right? And it and it's it feels like it's been ages ago because so many things have changed, right? Technology wise. Yeah. It's Yeah, so now crazy. you just
1: click a few yeah. times and you have it on your on your Mac or on your computer. Exactly. I had to wait for like fourteen days to, to send yeah. it from the United States. <laughs> this is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when I got those, the, the challenge, the kettlebell, the book is amazing. Uh, it was still more about strength than the uh, sport. Uh, but at the time, I only had the book. So I had to, I, I asked my ex girlfriend's father to melt uh, two kettlebells. Not really. <laughs> really? I, I used, uh, I still have the picture in my book. Uh, I probably have it somewhere on my Facebook. So those were homemade from some lead weights and I used wow. some pipes. So we built my first kettlebell that I could train. Uh, because if I wanted to go to the Russian Kettlebell Challenge and do the license, I had to pass the Russian Kettlebell Challenge test. So if I wanted to train, I had to have a kettlebell. There were no kettlebells in Europe at that time, except oh in the Russia. So I was training with this, whatever I made on my own. And um, then I went in 2000, and I really can't remember, was it 2004 or 2005? I went to St. Paul, Minnesota. It was the four day, three or four day. Uh, certification with Pavel Tsitsulin and it was yeah it was strength uh, with kettlebells it was lots of mobility it was loads of stuff it was amazing Uh, and there I met Steve Maxwell and Steve Cotter also among other coaches Um, and Steve Cotter at the time he said well there is another thing among kettlebells it's called Girovoi sport so it's a little bit different and he was the one who was doing researches about Girovoi sport at the time and um, a year later, I was invited to be a part of the staff uh, in Europe for the Russian Kettlebell Challenge Level 2 um, in Denmark. So I went to Denmark. Uh, it was mm-hmm. nice. One day before that, I broke my leg. So I went up with a cast. There is a video, a whole video of me lifting kettlebells uh doing seated version of snatch test passing that <laughs> test that's bu- the- that's dedication
0: man wow yeah yeah, and i did the yes.
1: uh, you know the beast challenge with 48 kilos of standing on one leg and stuff like this so <laughs> actually this was this you was, were pretty
0: strong man this is yeah
1: um, yeah at the time i was really strong because uh-huh. i was ready for strength i didn't know about giliovoi sport yet so my mm-hmm. priority was like three to five reps Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The pull-ups, the press, the pistol squat, the deadlift. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was doing this stuff on one leg and when the RKC published that video, I became pretty famous. So yeah, they did me a big favor promoting that Uh, and the video was viral. It went like a million views all over the
0: world. Is it still on somewhere?
1: It is. I think if you write on YouTube, RKC Challenge 2006 or 2007 Denmark, something like this.
0: Let, let me let me just check for a second yeah.
1: and then the, uh-huh. the video is with the Russian national atom um it's amazing it's amazing video especially because I mean <laughs> so it was, it was RKC 2006 Denmark I think it was 2006 because I'm not sure it's six or seven because I'm not sure which year I signed for that handbook yeah, there's
0: some there's something in uh, RKC 2007. Maybe it's seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I have to start with a
1: new pro with the red letters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, there is like one part dedicated to me when I was passing yeah. the test. I got I got to write this down. Yeah, this is,
0: <laughs> uh, let me copy this, man. Because uh, you know, I'm a. I feel like w- when I talk to people like you, uh, it, it's like it's it's. I'm I'm becoming a kettlebell scientist. I want to learn so much about about this tool. And that's why I'm so I'm so honored to have you on. And then when you share stories like this, this is fuel for the fire I need to burn. This is fascinating, man.
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, so, sometimes I forget what what I went through, and then when I have to tell the story, I kind of feel it, it comes again. back, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And I mean, I I've been certified
0: by Steve Carter in 2019, so he's my sensei. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so when when you when you shared his name, I mean, he, he was also pivotal, right, in moving the needle. Yeah when it comes to kettlebells, a little bit towards the Russian way of training, especially when it comes to the ballistics, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, yes, then you had this famous incident in Denmark, yes? Yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah, that, at that time, uh, RKC was kind of falling apart. There were some issues inside, but I don't know what it was. And then Steve Cotter told me about Valery Fedorenko, the guy who also moved to the United States and who introduced him to kettlebells, to Gidia Voice Sport. And actually, it was Steve Cotter who was the first guy, the first... First coach who put the uh, kettlebells on the video he put Valery fedorenko on his uh, encyclopedia of kettlebell lifting something like this mm-hmm. it's five hour videotape yeah it's crazy it's amazing yeah. material i really, yeah. really liked it i'm still using stuff so yeah then i decided i will go and check who this guy is and what kettlebell sport as a sport really is i went to greece for my first certification i met valeri there i met his coach uh panteleis uh, there was also Steve Cotter and some guys. So, um, yeah, I passed the certification. It was not really um, physically that hard, but technically it was something completely different. So it was the first mm-hmm. time for me. And I immediately told Valeria, well, master of sports, that sounds so cool. I want to be master yeah. of sports. <laughs> yeah, though I have so no so cool. idea. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> what it, was what it me, is, I right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, It was 2007 in the summer, I think. I think it was summer 2007 and then two years later in 2009 maybe I'm, I'm mixing up a little bit of those dates but mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Those, yeah. those times I went back to uh to Greece for another camp uh also Valery was leading it and I was already preparing for my Master of Sports and it was the first time I failed I I didn't do the numbers because uh yeah I just wanted it too fast I was training just hard not smart. So yeah and you were
0: already you were, just for people uh, to understand it, you were all uh, already using double 32s for the master yeah, of I was sport right I started
1: mm-hmm. to use double 32s too quick uh, uh-huh. I know that's a mistake now because I was really strong from all the powerlifting and all the jumping and all the athletic stuff I did so I was mm-hmm. really strong my endurance was high because I always liked to run and stuff like this so I felt well if I can lift it once and I build my endurance it's going to happen but uh yeah it, it doesn't work this way so you have to, uh, after that I I went back to 24s and uh, Valerie made me do 10 minutes with 24s and then a little faster pace and stuff like this so mm-hmm. yeah typical yeah, preparation he, he, yeah. He taught me, yeah typical preparation he taught me most of the stuff I know about kettlebell sport mm-hmm. so um in um then I was invited to be part of World Kettlebell Club or World Kettlebell yeah it was WKC uh, yeah
0: WKC exactly yeah, yeah
1: I was I was head coach there for Europe so I was doing a lot of certifications in Europe for them. But at one point, they decided that uh, Europe is too small and that there's not enough business. So they just let me do something on my own, but not not under their brand. So this is when I opened my own brand, European Gidevo Sport Association. So it was EGSA, which oh, later that's on... That's your thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my thing. I opened this association. I started this movement. So with this movement, everything in Europe started um I licensed probably over1,000 uh, coaches in Europe so it started wow. in Croatia with one of my friends yeah uh, and, and then in uh, I did a lot of them in Vienna and then I went to to Germany Netherlands uh, wow. all over the world and the Portugal Spain so I was all over the world wow. doing my thing and uh, in 2010 I'm pretty sure it was 2010 um I was invited by Wkc for my last seminar uh, where I passed my Master of Sports in biathlon. So mm-hmm. they had a little bit different rules, which was, I mean, they were cool on one side, but uh, I can explain a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. But I managed to do the required number of reps for Master of Sports. And then when I came home, I was like, well, I wasn't really happy because I I knew at that time there's another title that's called Master of Sports International Class. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Like miles away from what I, I did. And then um, at some point, I was a little bit bored with Valery's system of training because I like variety, and Valery's training had l- little variety in it. Mm-hmm. So I asked uh, Ivan Deniso oh, yeah. to help me. So he was my coach for two years, and I progressed a lot. Um, but his way of training was a little bit too heavy for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was lots of lifting weights. There were lots of heavy kettlebells. Um, so I, I couldn't really relate to that. So in 2013, I think, 2013, I asked Anton Anasenko to be yeah, my yeah. Coach, to be my mentor. And yeah. until 2013 to 2017, when I finished with kind of professional, if I can say professional Giveaway Sport, Anton was my coach. And under his guidance, I did Master of Sports International class. Uh, and I learned everything about kettlebell sport which was not only preparation for competition but all the everything else that is going on around that sport so i think i, I learned the most about life of kettlebell lifter from so that's... Mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. 2017 i decided that uh, i'm gonna call it a day
0: okay so wow that's yeah that's fast forward right so you fast you forward. went really fast through all these these major cornerstones and um, wow, this, this is so fascinating. So, uh, Anton Anasenko, he's he, um, I've heard his name a lot. Yeah. Uh, where is he on the, let, let's say like on the on the coach's ladder when you prepare him with uh, Sergei Rudnev and, and Valery Fedorenko? he is at that level?
1: Um, well, Valery Fedorenko is a little bit different coach because his system is really straightforward. So you do he, he doesn't talk about technique much uh, he had very special technique he was naturally gifted athlete and uh, his technique was unique so, so i couldn't relate to what he was doing and the way he was training so if you're built like valeri fedorenko he's an amazing coach he, he can do it but uh, i'm not built like him so my rack position was not as good as his was mm-hmm. so i cannot stand in rack position for a long time and then uh, ivan deniso was the first who said well why stand just leave them <laughs> So don't don't just stand and go slow. Just go faster. Just go fast. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. go faster. Yeah, and no. then I have to use lighter. Yeah.
0: So it's the idea, right? That and that's what I've learned as well. When it comes to the body type, if if you have a short torso and long arms, you have the perfect recipe for a solid rack position, which allows yeah. you to rest more. So therefore, you will probably be able to crank out more reps at the end because you have more or not as much fatigue is setting in. But when okay. it comes to a different body type, so for example, you have a long torso, Absolutely. you won't be able to to rack, uh, to to find a solid rack position. So therefore, you have to go fast, right? So, that's that that's one point, and that's because I've talked to Valery Fedorenko as well. I've had him on a podcast. I've talked to Sergei Rudnev. I've had him on a podcast. So that's why I, and I'm also fascinated with, with with kettlebells just in general. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not a dude that that is, even though I, I love what it sounds like or master of sport or you know i think i had arjuni jernakov also on, on the podcast uh the guys doing the belts and the shoes
1: yeah i know i know I know personally all of them
0: also yeah 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 the, the, i mean the kettlebell sphere in that regard is not that big you probably also know um I'll, always when i have so many names in my brain and then i forget these names um svetlana Oh okay, yeah, of course right 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 so yeah, yeah. so all these the, these folks it's not a big sphere so you know these names right and um, at the end of the day, even though I like the sound of of, of, of this title, the, the the preparation for me sounds so not maybe not boring, but maybe I'm not I'm not as as an athlete as I, as I should be in order to prepare for this. So I have my brain on my mind is wandering into different things like building my business and building a legacy. But um, let's and let's jump to this point real quick. So what happened afterwards right i mean you have come such a long way so i would assume that you're you're still into kettlebell sport a little bit okay okay so you know that that sounds so funny for a person who 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 has achieved this much right saying oh i'm just a little bit in kettlebells right so so what happened what happened
1: um the politics that's uh usually Uh. the issue so in Slovenia, uh, if I wanted to do certifications in Slovenia and had coaches like properly, not just give them some diplomas, I had to, um, like establish the Slovenian Gidevo Sport Association. To establish this, you need three clubs. So I opened one club and then we had two clubs so we could do the association. And then we had to run this association for two years. So that we became officially recognized by the olympic committee of slovenia wow in that's big stuff yeah. yeah it was really big in 2015 uh, we were officially recognized by the olympic committee of slovenia and uh, of course i was the president which i didn't really like because i'm not a person who want to run politics or stuff like this i really want to be a coach and that's it but at that mm-hmm. point i was the only reasonable solution because i was the only one who knew all the people mm-hmm. i spoke mm-hmm. russian so when we went to Oh, you also spoke russian wow well um i was forced to because i went to lots of camps in russia i went to lots of competition in russia <laughs> so we no english my man hey, yeah. there's no english there's no english letters so what <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Greek, right yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's really so
0: <laughs> learn it
1: yeah so, so <laughs> oh my. Then, you know and then it starts you have to pay some money to the olympic committee and then you have to pay some money to the bank and then uh, when i asked from the clubs to, for a little help they were not really helpful and then usually it starts well we're going to make another association there's going to be another club and i just say okay i'm going to resign as a president because i really, really don't want to play this stuff i just want to do the giveaway sport i want to i want to have strong team mm-hmm. and i said if anybody else thinks he can do it better i just ask please be president of this association and just run it fairly. And as soon as I stepped out, everybody stepped off. So I'm just saying there were there were there were things that were not really. I'm not proud that that happened. Maybe I should do it a little bit different. Um, but at the time, I was still an athlete, so I wanted to compete at the same time, and I wanted to keep my our, our association. I usually still say mine because <laughs> it was me who created it. So yeah, it was it was part. It was my mistake. Part it was from people who wanted. Uh, big piece of the cake sitting on my shoulders holding their, their self tall. Hmm. That was a little bit. And then uh, you know how it is. There, there were many different ranking systems. There were many competitions. It started to be like everybody was world champion. You just go on one competition yeah. and you were a world champion with 24 kilo kettlebells. So I was like, OK, I was training 10 years to get to the master of sports and then somebody's training for six months calling himself world champion. Hmm. It was kind of, like Mm. i wasn't happy about it my athletes were were training hard i always pushed my athletes at least on 24s and then for those who were talented i wanted them to lift 32s because Mm -hmm. i say look if you want to be professional just go heavy but then Mm -hmm. there was a solution you can just go for one competition when 24s were like enough for master of sports and then people were getting master of sports with 24s that yeah so it was like
0: that's questionable i mean if if you're lifting if you've been lifting kettlebells for more than let's say like two months, yeah. and you've already progressed to working with double twenty fours, which already feel very heavy.
1: It's heavy,
0: and I'm and let's let's not even talk about the ten minute set, just racking double twenty fours, right, and then jerking them and working with them. So I had to do. I remember I had to do for um, Steve Carter's certification. The level one was that was not that hard. It was. Uh, 100 hand-to-hand swings, 32 clean and jerks, and 60 snatches and 30 squats with a 20 in order to pass the CKT1 test, which I still think is an awesome workout as well. And then the hard CKT2 hard. level was a was a was some sort of a biathlon. It was 40 jerks with double 20s and then 100 snatches with a 20. Oh, all yeah. right. And I remember it because something resonated when you said, you know, I was pretty strong back then and you already built the endurance. I think back in 2019, because I was all, also rather... Let's so say like bodybuilding powerlifting more with heavy weights and lifting a lot of stuff, but I wasn't really used to kettlebells. I was able to muscle through these 40 jerks with catastrophic technique. And when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, how did I pull it off? But I think it was adrenaline, of course, because it was test, it was competition time. And I was already I was strong enough, but it was it wasn't wasn't beautiful. <laughs> but I managed to pull it off. So the that that's my let's say like my experience with competition, and then I uh, recently did it again with double twenties, uh, just just a jerk. I, I've done both. I did both twenty jerk and one hundred snatch, and it felt more comfortable, but it was still it was still a decent challenge. And I think I have gotten the hold of it to a certain extent for these exercises uh, when it comes to the ballistics, especially. Yeah, and double twenty eights are already another beast it's like oh it's eight kilos plus so it's oh my god so the rack position's way heavier even if even if you have a solid body type it's still heavy yeah. and double 32s it's just this is for people who don't know it it's just a major difference yeah. so i know that i can kind i could consider myself if i was competing officially as i think a cms right with double 24s
1: With 24s, you can get to CMS level,
0: yes. Exactly. So I would not allow myself or I would not allow anybody to call me any type of rank if I know if I'm supposed to get master of sport. I mean, and you did MSIC, right? Master of sport international class. So that's another level. And then you have honored master of sport. That's, I mean, right? so well, to, honor,
1: master of sport it's not a number we can talk about this little right, later. yeah
0: yeah yeah. please share it but yeah. but the idea is you have to understand that there's just such a major weight difference and you have to respect it and if you're not able to pull it off you're not supposed to call yourself this it's just basics if you haven't won the gold medal at the olympics you're not a gold medalist
1: yeah. well it's like uh you know previous weekend there was a marathon in Slovenia in Ljubljana there's every every year here in October so yeah if you go for a marathon it's 42 kilometers and then of course you have those versions for people who likes to do like half marathon and you have for people who just want to go 10 kilometers but you know people still writing on Facebook I ran marathon and then somewhere below they say it was fast 10k so you didn't run that's, a marathon. It was that's not a me. marathon. Yeah, it, it was just an event. A... <laughs> there was yeah. the event, but it was not a marathon. So, yeah, it was the same with kettlebells. So why say you're you a master of sports if you only ran ten kilometers? So, exactly. Maybe I was a little bit too much offended because I know how much how hard, hard work. Yes. One hundred percent. Then you? yeah, I did. I didn't want those people to stand beside me and calling them self-told. So that's maybe it was my mistake, but I'm not sorry that I did how I did it.
0: But there's still I mean there's still a certain pride attached to it if you know how much work or how much effort that went into the preparation. And now you think this this guy or this girl next to you is is shortcutting exactly. their way to success or their way to calling themselves a name. It's just like a PhD or a doctor's degree. Okay, you, exactly. Right? You you I didn't go to university, so I don't have a Ph I can't call myself doctor, right? I I mean, I think there's even some universities who, who have honorates right or on doctor honorates degree something like that. that's still not a phd you yeah. still or that's still not a doctor for the european sense right sure. that's still not a doctor doctor's degree you haven't passed the test you didn't go to university like this you didn't study for four years you didn't have to do a thesis so you're not it that's right point that's, blank that's a great example and yeah. if you want to do it go to uh, right sit into class and yeah. <laughs> do it yeah.
1: That's and a by the, example.
0: And by the way, did you see the guy who, uh, when when it comes to marathons, did you see the guy who ran it in two hours and six minutes or something like this?
1: I was, I was, I mean, I used to run a lot and I think I could run with him for like 500 meters. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> <Really>. like off. <laughs> that, see, I think he runs 20 and something kilometers per hour, 21. So I think I can hold this pace maybe for 500 meters if I warm up well. <laughs> 15 years
0: younger and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. ima- imagine, I mean, two hours and that's like that's that's a pace. That's just it's just like when you see when I watch Markov or when I watch uh, Kostov, yeah. uh Alexander Khrostov. I wanted to have a podcast with him, which we have to repeat because the last time we tried it, he had some problems with some issues with Zoom. So we have to repeat it. So when when I watch Khrostov, when he does uh, 32 kg snatch would look which look like it's look it looks like a sixteen when I do it. Yeah, exactly. and then he's picking up a forty, a forty eight and then he attached some weights and then it's a fifty fifty six something snatch. It's just amazing. I mean, there's just what do you think how much how much goes into preparation and how much goes into genetics? what's your what's your point of view?
1: Well, for something like even Marco is doing now, there must be loads of genetics because uh, in two thousand and seventeen. I met him in a camp in Russia. So he was still a, a young boy. I think he was like 18 or something. Um, or no, he was... Yeah, something like 18, 19 years old. And I think um, I even beat him in this competition because uh, I was on top of my... I was in peak of my preparation mm. at the time, my form, and he was beginning. So it was small competition uh, after the camp. But uh, they told me, yeah, look, these guys want going to break world records. So, for something like this, or for something like even Deniso is doing, or Anton Anasenko, or even Hwaslo, yeah, there must be some genetics. Mm-hmm. But I know how hard those guys train. I, I was training with everybody. I was training, even look, even, uh, even Deniso was at my home for 14 days. Anton Anasenko was at my home for 14 days. And those 14 days, I was training with them running in the morning, snatching afterwards, jerking in the evening, lifting weights. Living the Russian style, so they do wow. this for fifteen years. You can you can say it's genetics. Of course it is, but uh, the commitment, part, part of it, mm-hmm. Yeah, but commitment, the discipline. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something that. That's, yeah, it's wow, amazing. So cool. I, I know how those guys train. I mean, I was in Omsk in Siberia with Anton Anasenko for uh, seven days, staying at his home and his his house, and yeah, it was in the morning, minus twenty degrees. So we went for a run. So, yeah it, it was cold and but he didn't care so it was a run <laughs> it uh, was cold but he didn't care <laughs> no, he didn't care I mean you can work you can dress up so go for yeah hey <laughs> get some get
0: some clothes on let's go yeah, yeah. you're gonna sweat anyway so who cares wow
1: man so yeah, so they it's run. Like, it's like ten thousand of hours of training um I know with anton he's uh sick he trains six days six days a week it's three times a week he's running and snatching afterwards and then three times a week he's doing some sort of two kettlebell training which i can talk a little bit uh, later when you ask mm-hmm. me where i would put anton Anasenko among other coaches so
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah please please let me know how how how's this kind of preparation and what kind of training do these guys Okay, so for, or in, yeah.
1: for I know that uh, I, I was never coached by Sergey Rudno. Of course, I know of his system because we I, athletes share it a little bit. But I, I was never coached by him, so I cannot say for hundred percent. But he's really about technique. He he wants technique every time you do a snatch set. He must send a video every time you do a jerk set. And then he's adjusting everything. He's really into details. Uh, with Deniso you know, he's big guy, strong guy with genetics of an elephant. I mean, his VO2 max is 56, which doesn't, which is not much, absolutely, but you have to consider his 115 kilos. Yeah,
0: the, bo- the body weight that he's the at. Body yeah. weight.
1: My God, his, his lung capacity is over 7 liters. Ah, yeah. Massive, man. Yeah, that, that's wow. massive. And, and yeah. training with him was always like, it was always like a war. <laughs> there was a competition there. Yeah, every time we were in my gym, there is a video on Facebook and YouTube. We were competing head to head with this uh, two-minute challenge. With He was lifting 40s and I was lifting 32s. And we went head to head and he won for one repetition, but he almost died at the end. And uh, I know that if we would be tight, he would want to do it again. So with him, it was every time you go all out, you smash your body. So really, really hard with an Asenko on the other hand I really liked it because it was you know, lots of diversity so he was just putting some swings in between my cleans he was just doing some long cycle sets or just some clean sets even though I was preparing for biathlon so he just wanted me to be with kettlebells all the time just two kettlebells just do whatever you want just combine uh five five long cycle reps and ten jerks and then just add up three reps on the long cycle and five reps on the jerks just keep the kettlebells on your body, your body must accept them, so they're part of you, and I really enjoyed this part of training. His style for me was uh, probably the best, because I really like diversity, and uh, every week there was something new. Let's say for Deniso, I knew exactly what's coming. I knew exactly, with Federenko it was really easy, with Deniso it took me like two months, and I already know how it's going to work. With Anasenko, I never figured it out. So he was always Mm -hmm. making small challenges Mm -hmm. and he knew for every athlete this is amazing for every athlete he knew what he can do on the competition with let's say for me with 24 kilo kettlebells he said look you can do 175 reps and i did 173 he said you can do 118 and i did 120 with 32s so he knew exactly by the number how much you can do on a given day how I don't know. He, I mean, he wrote every training down on ah. a paper. He he, he had everything about from every athlete and. Um,
0: wow. So it, Anasenko, right?
1: Yeah, Anasenko. Yeah. And he's, if you will have him on the, on the podcast, I think he's one of the warmest person you will ever host. Well,
0: where, where can I find, where can I find him?
1: At the moment, I can't find him because of the situation in Russia. So oh, I haven't talked course. to him in over a year and a half. So uh, uh, I yeah. think you can reach mm-hmm. him over WhatsApp. Um, mm-hmm. I know he, you cannot reach him over Instagram or Facebook anymore. But yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, when I when I ordered the the belt from uh, from Arjeni, yeah. it was it was it wasn't a hassle, but he said uh, there's some uh, issues with PayPal. Yeah, and then Sergey Rudnev said, you know, he has to use a VPN in order to access his, his Instagram. Yeah. So here we go, politics again, right? For for normal yeah. people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that's another topic. So, um, so here's the thing: you, you were experiencing technique was was uh, Rudnev and, and and Fedorenko, right? Was well, or, Fedorenko.
1: Or, no, the the most about technique it was Rudnev because Rudnev was adjusting technique to your body type yeah let's say if i'm tall um long torso short arms so different technique for me than somebody with short torso long arm and he would exactly just every training for the so it's like uh look you're gonna do like i do you have to work <laughs> like i do you must work work for me so yeah <laughs> even if you're watching this i'm sorry but
0: yeah. <laughs> you must work you must work my <laughs> friend
1: <Okay. laughs> i love uh, this so Ivan was like this yeah and anton was something in between so he didn't want to really adjust he, he said okay you're gonna use a little faster pace with light kettlebell or you're gonna mm-hmm. go a bit heavier and slower mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this was his adjustments but with mm-hmm. Rudner, he was like really into details you're gonna turn your palm like this your pinky finger out and yeah wow
0: wow and, and fedorenko he was straightforward with volume straightforward,
1: or... five minutes every day five minutes and just go faster and you have to film every set maybe one day you will feel good and you will finish 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> okay I so
0: so so you have technique you have the war <laughs> approach you have variety and you have the straightforward approach from from fedorenko so yeah, my anasenko question between, yeah. and anasenko yeah. something variety in between something in between yeah. everything so was was um anasenko the only coach who wrote everything down um
1: uh, no, no no um i think that for Rudnev for sure he wrote everything down um for deniso but I'm not sure because I never saw his program. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He was always sending me, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he did, maybe he didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and do you think, just to interject, do you think there is, it there, there must be a difference to a certain extent because I think Ivan is still an athlete as well, Yeah. yeah. right? And while while Sergey and Valery and and Anton are, they maybe compete for fun or they go into the older divisions, but they're rather focused on teaching, right? They, they, Is there a difference, or do you think, hey, I can be an athlete, but I can also be a great coach?
1: Oh Yeah, that's a good topic. (laughs) Good question. Um, Well, yeah, Deniso still wants to compete with Mm -hmm. kettlebells also, but he runs marathons. He does lots of running on skis, uh, the biathlon stuff. He -hmm. also bought a road bike. He sent me a picture. Uh, on the road bike i feel sorry for this bike but <laughs> <laughs> the road bikes are not going for 115 kilos no <laughs> <Love Yeah. this. laughs> yeah. so he, awesome. he's an athlete he's all, all around athlete he likes yeah. to do other stuff he likes to experiment yeah for anton i think he will do um he will compete until he die but he also runs marathons he do other sports also mm-hmm. uh, so i think they all compete maybe not on the highest level in kettlebell sport mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But they are all athletes by heart. So I think they will athletes continue heart, to yeah. compete, continue to impress. Let's mm-hmm. say Rudner is a little bit more into gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Deniso is into rowing. Anton is into running. So everybody has one other sport. Uh, because you cannot train kettlebells all year round. Uh, you need some time off. And during this time off, you of course, you, know, you need to do some sport which is not too similar to capable lifting
0: yeah exactly it's a, it makes so much sense the way i understand it but let's just stick with this topic so you have these these coaches right or, or these different approaches do you see a common threat in all these different approaches
1: uh well the goal is to do master of sports international class
0: okay so the goal the end goal is the, the common threat goal. but but the yeah. way it's like uh hey there's different <clears throat> Different ways to roam, right? So yeah. that's probably it. Huh? So with
1: mm. uh, I can explain all this, as the systems, not not in detail, because we don't have too much time. But let's mm-hmm. say with uh, the NISO, you always start with light kettlebells in the training. You Let's start with 16, you go to 20, and you finish training with 24. Mm-hmm. Then you build until you can do 10 minutes set with 20 kilos. Then mm-hmm. you start with 20 kilos, you go 24, and then you finish with 28 until you can finish with 24 kilos and then you go 20 kilos uh, 24 for start 28 and 32 until you can finish with 28 and then you get ready for competition with 32s um with anton it was but and and they all start like 13 weeks before competition Mm -hmm. they never want to write program if you don't have a competition plan so Uh so, yeah it starts 13 weeks out so for 12 weeks you train for one week you taper and then you pick at the competition so exactly this is how I coach. If somebody asks me if I can be his coach, I say when it's your competition, and they say, Oh, I just want to train for fun, then I say yeah, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> have <against> fun. <laughs> I really, I, but I'm not your trainer. I'm that
0: would be me then. That will be me. Okay. I'm the guy who trains people. Well, for fun. it's not
1: it's yeah. not competition, but let's say if you say I wanna do twenty four kilos in thirteen weeks, and I can help you to increase your increase your numbers, something mm-hmm. like this. Uh, you, so you, you have
0: yeah, you have to have a time frame, like, hey, time it's
1: frame, a, of on, not something
0: like, hey, well, I just want to try it out, but you have to say, hey, listen, in 13 weeks, yes, I want to be able to pull off double 24 exactly. minutes, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's Independent
0: amazing. of whether you're competing or not, that's just my goal, right?
1: I mean, if you don't go for competition, you can always just skip it and say, okay, I'm not going to test, I don't feel okay, or I feel a little bit sick, which is normal. One day before competition everybody feels a little bit sick it's oh, uh, of course. it's, yeah, it's right. different it, it, it's normal but it's not I always had it it's <laughs> one story when I was already master of sports international class before every competition before my jerk set I was afraid when I will clean that my left kettlebell will fall out of my hands hmm. before the, I started my first rep and once I cleaned once I have rack position okay rack is done I know I can do 100 reps now but I was always afraid, if we am going to pick them up, what if my left cap just falls off. I don't know why, but it was before every competition in my head. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But there was a competition and I was getting ready to eat. I knew I had to rest. I knew I had to be mentally prepared. Yes. Uh, um, carb loads and everything. And I knew I had to cut weight. For competition, Uh so I took it seriously. So if I was training for thirteen weeks, then I okay, the competition is real deal. Yes, yes. If there is no competition then you can just go and try. But no.
0: It's not yeah, let's say like it's not the same mental toughness that it requires because you're not actually stepping on stage so yeah exactly. like, th- and all the personal
1: records after some time are done on the competition i mean i could never i could never come close to numbers i did on competition when i was playing yes yeah never. the
0: adrenaline right so I everything have, yeah,
1: yeah. and you're rested on competition day. you have to be rested. while you're training you're never really rested you know you're training yeah and then, of course there is some super compensation but uh, you're still tired a little bit and then you train yeah. and rest and the, yeah. the fatigue is adding up and then mm-hmm. you have this one week off mm-hmm. body gets ready you just run a little bit you get your yeah. endurance and then yeah. on competition you just you just go so okay back to anton with anton it was lots of running much more cardiovascular training that we than with the uh, deviso and uh, the training always started with 32s so you did 32s you came to 28 and then it went down to twenty fours. Oh. and then there was a system it's called riapchenko you can write it down so Ryabchenko system um how do you know spell that.
0: that how do you spell that
1: air mm-hmm. uh something like it. Ryabchenko like I can then send it to you yeah yeah send it to me yeah yeah, yeah. I, I have the, the whole protocol down um, it's uh it's exponential system I really really like it so because in three weeks you really build up high but then it's a huge deload and you build up again and a huge deload and you build up again. Yeah, yeah. It's I I really like that system a lot. So when, when I'm training athletes, I'm using this system. Mm. Because out of three weeks, the first one is really easy. Second one is somewhat hard. The third one it's really, really hard. But the third one, it's also almost like you're competing. So you're getting your body ready for competition and your mind also. And then you go down again. And, you know, two weeks are going to be a little bit, A little bit harder, but not that hard, and then you go again. So you repeat this three times, and then uh, you go for the main competition. It's
0: like a taper system, right? So you go up and you go down.
1: Yeah, but let's say with Ivan, it was more like steps system. So it was one step, another step, third step, and go a little bit down. One step, third step, a little bit down. And this uh, Ryabchenko is exponential. It really goes like big waves, and you come down. So wow, that's what I really.
0: And and but still, all these systems. Can be fruitful right so it, yeah, yeah yeah they I all give all you results yeah
1: yeah they all brought results to me at, at at one point it was just like which i wanted to do more or which i liked more i think all the system would work but i think if you're mentally not ready the system it doesn't matter how good the system is if you're not mentally enjoying uh, even though it's hard it's physically hard it's, every system is physically hard once mm-hmm. you get over master of sports level mm-hmm. um there's loads of reps it's like I don't know like 3 400 reps overhead with two mm-hmm. kettlebells per week mm-hmm. uh, and then like even more with one kettlebell lots of running and jumping so yeah it mm-hmm. gets hard the fatigue adds up but if you enjoy the process then it's much easier than if you don't enjoy it so that's
0: that's the thing you you have to and you you've mentioned this before you have to have an athlete's heart I think I'm I'm assuming I don't have it I think my heart is somewhere else just f- from the way I understand myself for this preparation thing, I mean, I, I, when I was preparing for the Steve Carter test, I was I was really into it and I loved it. But then after I I did it, I was like, I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> I don't. And I mean, really, it's like that. You have to have an athlete's heart, and if you have it, I think you're on track. And if you like kettlebells, most definitely. But i'm just yeah like i said i'm more of a scientist i want to find out every nook and cranny and learn anything that i can about about kettlebells this
1: was also with me i mean um, i wanted to understand what's going on so i was searching for new ways of also how to train kettlebell sports what assistant system would would it be um why does anton use those things that he yeah. does so i was writing yeah. everything down uh, yeah. reading books from let's say I, I was always comparing kettlebell lifting with rowing and uh, this was the the mind shift that I did, uh, and that helped me a lot because lots of people f- say the kettlebell is weightlifting sport, which yes. is not. Kettlebell is cardiovascular sport. Yes. yes. So the the weight is just making you harder. It's like cycling uphill or rowing really fast. So you cannot say it's lifting weights because um, your heart rate goes up. You don't want to tense after every rep. Um, and this is very diverse, the hard style from the Voice sport. Yeah, we have to talk the...
0: about this too. Yeah, most definitely. Just yeah. writing it down. Yeah. So
1: that, that's, the big, that's the biggest difference. Uh, and if you, once you start to understand that um, you're not just lifting 32 kilograms, but you're um, expressing power per minute, let's say.
0: Yes. You shared lifting... this in your book. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So this is from, from the rowing. So if you're lifting <sighs> 32 st- Ten times a minute, you're lifting 640 kilograms overhead in one minute. Yeah. So 640 kilograms. If you go down to 24s, so you have to lift them 15 times. So basically, if you're lifting 50, 32s and 24s, 32s uh, 10 reps per minute and 24s 15 reps per minute, you're lifting about the same the same volume.
0: volume. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But then I figured out, well, the resting with 32s is like uh, three seconds. And resting with 24s is only two seconds. So if you add up those seconds in rack position, you know that 32s are much heavier than 24s. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you cannot just go mathematically. And this is a really big jump. So once I understood this, I, I understood that you have to go 20, 24 and then slowly go up to 26 kilograms. And when I was in Russia, in uh, St. Petersburg, in Sergei uh, Raczynski's gym, he has kettlebells from six kilos and then seven eight nine ten up to 44 kilograms by one kilo a uh, singles interesting a single and then um, when I came home from this camp I called my guy my friend in Serbia um and I said look you're producing kettlebells and I want seven kilo kettlebell nine kilo kettlebell 11 kilo kettlebell and now in my gym I have 100 kettlebells from six to 20 kilos by one kilo and then 20 from 20 to 40 by 2 kilos and then I have 44 and 50. Oh, awesome yeah and yeah. those jumps are really small and it, it's easy for the body it's easy for the joints it's uh-huh. much easier to progress with uh, if you have small jumps in weights
0: that's yeah because that that's kind of like a little bit the unforgiving nature of kettlebell training it's like hey when you move up to the next weight it's it's plus four and if it doubles it's plus eight I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, this is tough. And I felt like, you know, we're training normal people with kettlebells and I felt like, especially for women, the, the two kg increments are way better from the eight to the 10, to the 12, to the 14, yeah. it's it's just, it's just way better because right. the, the jumps are sometimes so tough on the system that they cannot handle it. The eight's too light, but the 12's then too tough, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's percentage incremental. Yeah, yeah, most, yeah it, it's, 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 it's tough. So uh, here's what I want to ask. You mentioned it uh, in the conversation. Now, first of all, before I want to jump to this, here's what I know about preparation. Uh, and that's what I've learned from from the Russian system by reading books and talking to these guys on on the podcast, it's you have these preparation phases, right? So you have the GPP phase, you have the SPP phase, then you have the competitive phase and the post period. And these four phases are most of the time always uh, uh, incorporated into a preparation. And when you go through your mind, when you when you had these four uh, uh, coaches, w- was that the same? Was like, hey, we have, first we have GPP, then we have SPP, then we have competitive, and then we have, post-competitive or was it like hey everybody had their own style and it all worked
1: well with anton um he wanted me to be without kettlebells and it's, it was same with deniso without kettlebells during summer so i was running or cycling or swimming or whatever i was doing just like two times a week i was doing some snatches to keep my calluses on uh, because i wanted thick skin on my palms for the preparation Okay. yeah that's uh that, so this is that that was it. So it's always doing lots of runnings and other stuff so with Anton it was a little bit more running with the knees so it was a little bit more lifting weights but then thirteen, thirteen 13 weeks out you start with kettlebells so um with Anton it was always for the weights he didn't pay too much attention it was four sets uh four sets of 10 squats uh it was pull-ups dips um and maybe some light deadlifts mm-hmm. something like this so yeah, he so- didn't so that's only like G-
0: some some gpp right mm-hmm. yeah that was gpp yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Then
1: for the spp it was a uh, lots of swings uh so he was he didn't want me to do swing only so he made me do like swing and snatch swing and snatch or two swings and snatch so i could really extend for six or seven minutes per arm the 32s um with ivan it was different so at first like for first three weeks there were lots of lifting weights and a little bit less kettlebells because the kettlebells were light and then the closer I was to competition, the less they were lifting weights, the more they were lifting kettlebells and running. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of course, this, those are professionals. This is just not, not something, well, let's try this. Mm-hmm. It's a professional mm-hmm. plan. Those are professional coaches and uh, everything is uh, like... Yeah,
0: this. and then you have, to, you have to, as an athlete, you have to have the required mindset to, to follow the program and then push through, right? It's not something where you can be like, hey, today I don't feel like it. Well... <laughs> That doesn't doesn't work. Matter, if yeah, that doesn't it doesn't matter. It Doesn't matter. We still do it. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. so uh, here's the thing. Um, do you know a guy named uh, Thierry Sanchez? Of
1: course. Oh, you're saying. Yeah, I met him that's twice. Cool. I met him first time in, or, or three times. First time in Switzerland when I was doing the WKC. Then second time, I think in Germany, and then on one competition. He's Danish guy. Yeah. Oh, he's a Danish guy. Yeah. Well, because he's a I, guy with the French name and the Spanish surname. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. International
0: mix. Yeah. So I, I I've also read his thesis or his. He also had a book out and um or just a small. It, it, it's not a lot of pages. And uh, do you know what book it was? Because I'm just no. pulling it up right now.
1: Um, I think I had it. I think I read it also, but it's so long ago that I really can't remember. I right. it's, it's
0: kettlebell sport and athlete preparation, yes. And it was 2009.
1: Yeah, yeah so- that's at the beginning. So we no. let me say like this. Nobody of us didn't know anything about kettlebells at that time. So we read something. We learned something. And we were really, really smart because we didn't know how stupid we are. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah, and you see, then you see these uh, an old image from Denisov and stuff. But here's one thing that he says, which I think is fascinating. And you, you shared something which is, um, which was kind of similar in your book, if I recall it correctly. So let me just open it up and read this to you. And because we want to talk about a little bit about these physical qualities so um let me just search this phrase so here he goes he says uh sport requires a special hybrid of strength endurance that is specific to the sport the east europeans call it special endurance this is seen by many authorities as one of the main qualities of a Gittervik. strength endurance as we define by conventional strength training is not a guarantee of achieving good results the duration of strength endurance exercises rarely goes over three minutes and repetitions are continuous and now he says, which I think is so interesting, um, just just the basic uh, 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 gist of this is when you are lifting with kettlebells. You said it's a cardiovascular sport, and he's saying something like it's it requires some sort of special endurance. Yeah. What, where would you put it? Because it is not pure endurance, because that's running, rowing, cycling, cross-country skiing. Even though rowing, like you mentioned, right, rowing is a little bit similar, yeah. but. With, with the kettlebell, which is so special, is you have a 70 kg body weight guy lifting, I mean, uh, uh, Johnny Benito, um, oh, yeah, right? What What is this guy? 64, 65 something? Kilogram?
1: Yeah, he's, he's really, really short. He's
0: really, 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 short. really short, really small, but he also works with double 32. So you easy. have, yeah, easy. So you have this small guy, right? In parentheses, you have the small guy lifting his body weight if it's not nine it's not if it's not one hundred percent, let's say like ninety percent of his body weight for ten minutes straight for let's say like eighty reps long cycle, for oh, example. For him,
1: I think he's hundred and forty reps for Johnny Benice. <laughs> yeah, that's the most amazing stuff. It's one hundred and forty oh or hundred and thirty-eight.
0: So one hundred and forty reps long cycle? Ten minutes no, no, double. No, uh, no, it's jerk, jerk. Ah, jerk, jerk, jerk. Right. So okay, jerk, so one hundred and forty. So this is this is just crazy for just folks to understand. So what kind of physical quality is this? Because it goes against what we know, right? Endurance is this thing, strength is yeah. this thing, But right? And rowing, so, rowing is different as well, because rowing row you, a little bit different. Yeah, you rowing have the a little resistance, bit different. but, but yeah. you don't have these, you don't have resistance that you have to overcome that is your body weight and then do it for 10 minutes, right?
1: Well, um, I would say, of course, you build different types of muscle. And that's very important why you have to start light, because once you can lift kettlebells overhead, and then you can position it, the you know the lockout position looks a little bit straight. So if you have a good lockout position, the kettlebells are not um, destroying your muscles, or you're not fatiguing your muscles, but they're on your skeleton. So your bones will not get tired. So when when the Russian coaches are saying technique, 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 that that really is the like 80% of capital lifting is technique. I'm not taking anything away from the physical preparation, but I know lots of guys who are much stronger than I am. I know lots of guys who have more endurance. I know lots of guys who have more endurance and are stronger than me, but they cannot come to 5% what I what I did with kettlebells. I'm not bragging. It this this is just how it yeah, is. I understand it. I understand. <laughs> and just to Objection. interject.
0: Jack uh, uh, Gregor. I had one guy uh, his name is Nikolai he's producing these uh, pro kettlebells yeah. um, the kettlebells with a special uh, oh, yeah, surface yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, he just uh, we just had an email conversation then and I think once he replied to me via a video he said he said a similar thing he said hey uh, kettlebells or kettlebell sport is 80 is, is a lot of technique which I agree but then he followed up with saying you can be out of shape. And if you have good technique, you can still pull it off.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a really extreme example. But let's say everybody knows LeBron James now. Yeah. He's much stronger than me. He's more, He has more endurance than me, but he cannot lift kettlebells. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he cannot do, he cannot do many Yeah, reps, yeah, yeah. I, I, I
0: get it. I get it. But would you say that you can be out of shape, not having trained for, like, let's say, like one year. And because you're, I mean, technique is still solid, let, let's, let's assume, and then you can still pull it off without the required fitness? Do well, you think?
1: pull a lot off. <laughs> yeah, that's the question,
0: yeah, right, yeah. Okay. But, but, I mean, if you don't have, to, uh, yes, we understand it's technique, but you still have to do, you still have to have to, the GPP, right? If you don't have this, or, or it, it's gone, but you still have the technique. What, w- do you think you will be able to just, I don't know, what, 10 minutes set with double 32s, maybe not your, your big numbers, but do you think you could pull it off?
1: um if I take the like four weeks of training yes yep
0: yeah, but still you need some prep right to uh, get just the system back and
1: on. I'm training a lot I'm training a lot my endurance is high my strength is a little bit low now but uh, let's say if I don't do anything for I don't know I can't imagine but for one year mm-hmm. um I would be able to do 10 minutes set with 24 kilograms no problem no problem at all but let's say if I go for jerk I would be able to do 100 no problem at all I I think now that I'm not lifting since what is this for four years I'm not doing double kettlebells um yeah for four years I'm not doing double I'm still doing snatches because sometimes I have to show on some seminars so I don't want to be completely out of technique and shape (laughs) Um, but Mm -hmm. if I use maybe two trainings just to get my body back to the rack position and overhead position I can pull up 100 jerks with 24s mm. without any preparation because still, the technique is there. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. So technique is the, mo- I, but I see this, I see it. I mean, I see it as when I, I've done some reactionary uh, reactionary content. I was reacting to a, I think it was a power lifter. He was doing the Highland games and he almost died with a 24 kg Turkish getup. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> Yeah. This guy's probably three times stronger than I am, and a 24 kg getup is like nothing for me. But because I understand the the lockout position, I have good mobility, and I know I have to rack the weight on my on my frame and not on my muscle. So then I'm for, of course I'm able to pull it off. That's why sometimes people they're like, how are you able to go into a windmill with the 32 kg kettlebell that destroys my muscle? Yeah, because you're not racking it right, or your yeah. your top fixation is is off.
1: Exactly.
0: All right. So, uh-huh. but but so I, I would say
1: use the technique is first. Then Um, Of course, you have to be strong enough to lift 32-kilogram kettlebells overhead, but Mm -hmm. if you can jerk them once and lock the perfect position and stand in this position, and if your rack position is good enough so you can at least relax your shoulders, if not the quads also, then you just need to build the endurance. It is special endurance, but um, the most scientific approach to this was by Ivan Deniso. So he was saying, if you're going fast pace, then it's something completely different than if you're going slow pace, Mm -hmm. which is true. Now imagine if you want to come from point A to point B, if you walk normally with normal pace, you're not going to get too tired. Mm -hmm. But if you go like heavy walking, which means lunges, Mm -hmm. you will not be able to go for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So people who don't know how to lift kettlebells, who don't have proper technique, they are doing lunges for 10 minutes. And for us who know, we are just walking for 10 minutes. And if you're in good shape, then you're running. So this is the comparison that I would say: no technique for kettlebells is doing lunges. If you have good technique, but you're out of shape, it's like a walk in a park. But if you if you're in a good shape, then yeah, there you're, you're running. It's you're like running. cardiovascular training.
0: Yeah. And so so it is, the cardiovascular part is big. How how would you say how important is strength?
1: um i would say strength is important of course but let's say i was lifting when my squat was 130 or maybe 140 kilos for five six reps i was never lifting heavy on the squat um i could do 120 jerks and then when my squat was 180 kilos i could do 120 jerks so huh. yeah it didn't so uh, until some point, you have some diminishing returns. Yes. After yes. that point, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Aha!
0: And and wow, this this goes uh, this goes in line with what the Russians say, or with what the with, what this this special kind of preparation from the Russian, with the GPP, SPP, and and competitive and post comp, uh-huh. that they say. When you are building strength, and I think this comes from Yuri Berchoshansky as well as Dr. Michael Yeses. Some uh, I, I've had Dr. Michael Yeses on the on the podcast as well. He was the guy who translated um, Yuri He's Berchoshansky's pretty work. Pretty. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, strength. When you're building strength, there comes a time when you have to apply this type of strength into your sport. Right. And if you don't do it, it's like you said, there's diminishing returns and you're wasting probably energy because you're now building this huge amount of strength, which is not, which doesn't correlate with the sport, right? right? So that's why you're probably, well, I'm able to pull off a 180 kilogram back squat. Yeah, but your jerk is still the same. So it's, it's still a little bit different, right? Because you have, especially in the jerk, you have this explosive nature yeah. that that isn't, Properly built. If you're just very strong, it's one thing to lift to lift a, a a a a 200 kg deadlift or 250 whatever you want whatever you call big numbers, but it's another thing to be able to demonstrate explosive strength or power. Right? It's not the same.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know when I was preparing for the for the competitions, I was not allowed to do bench press. I was not allowed to do any type of pressing. Yeah um Because Why? press yeah. has nothing to do with jerk, really. Even the push press, Anton sometimes he said, okay, just you can do some push press, but uh, with Ivan it was forbidden. Maybe some dips were allowed, but uh, for the lockout position, for the yes, tracer, yes. But I had problems with my lockout, so he was just doing my legs. um We were doing lots of those uh, small jump squats with the yeah, bar yeah. on the back. <sighs> yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So this it's was tough. the exercise. Um, but, uh, once I was able to do some reps, then it was just like building the endurance. So the approach of doesn't matter which approach it, it was. It was like building VO2 max. So doing the VO2 max intervals intervals were between three to five minutes long with a short allowed half time or a little bit more. So let's say for five minutes set, you had three minutes of rest. And, um, if you check the training for like VO2 max on the Rover or the running, it's about the same. So yeah, it's, it's building maximum aerobic power. So this is what I learned for the expression, the maximum aerobic power. So this is the maximum amount of power you can still produce while doing um, aerobically. Once you go anaerobically, you're done. So that's the, the minute number 10. Hmm.
0: So there is, if we can translate it in very simple terms, it is explosive locomotion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But it has to be frequent enough. So if you're just doing like six reps per minute of jerk, it's not locomotion anymore because you're standing for too long and the muscles are tight for too long. And what happens to the heart muscle? If the muscle is tight yes, for too long, yeah. the heart is not beating and it's, the blood is flowing explosively Ex- into the heart. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the heart rate goes up, but it goes up anaerobically. So it's not the... The continuous work so this and is And it doesn't it,
0: build and it doesn't yeah. build your endurance right that's Definitely. that's one thing that i've learned from the cardio code from uh, dr kenneth chase book amazing uh, ma- amazing. i read it in two nights at yeah. uh, two evenings i i, I st- read it i
1: think one month ago i read it when it, it came out and i read it again like like two months ago because it's such an amazing book
0: so, and so many scientific references where he's really bringing down yeah. or really driving home the point that yeah. You don't want to have a power lifters heart and and I love yeah. what he's I love what he says he says it we are misunderstanding heart rate just because your heart rate is elevated doesn't mean you're building endurance and then he follows up with saying because if if this was the case I could scare you into shape
1: amazing yeah that's,
0: I, I love yeah, this yeah
1: there's that's so amazing much quote.
0: it's so much truth behind it man
1: yeah, this, this is, is, this is good stuff.
0: ha so so um if 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 i understand it correctly when it comes to the jerk the reason why you're not supposed to build pressing strength is because if you do the jerk in in with solid technique it becomes an explosive leg exercise
1: yeah it's it's, it's only leg exercise the arms only get because your triceps is not built for 10 minutes cardiovascular work it's not it's not possible so uh you just want to jerk them overhead and then you catch but you you catch them on the straight arms except
0: you catch them with your bones
1: yeah you catch them on your bones in the lockout position so this is why flexibility is so important yes yes i um, see it yeah and
0: and see that's the reason uh, that's see it makes so much sense i love it when when stuff makes sense that's the reason why you why you see that the typical kettlebell sport athlete rather resembles a cyclist than a bodybuilder exactly yeah. they have ex, ex, very strong legs big quads big glutes but the upper for example when you look at markov you think this guy doesn't doesn't lift yeah. when when you just see when he wears a shirt and the upper body because it's not there's not it's it's not required so he's not yeah. building muscle in the
1: upper body Those with muscles would be in a way those muscles are in the way because they're in the way of the requisition position, and they're in the way of using oxygen. So too much oxygen goes into the muscles of, uh, in the upper body, which doesn't even help. So yeah, those muscles are in the way. It
0: makes so much, makes so much sense, man. This yeah, it's so fascinating. So on a final topic, Gregor, I mean, I could talk to you for for hours, man. And and if you're if if you're down, we have to do this again. But let me just stick to one thing because I you're a wealth of knowledge, and I have to. I have to uncover some some of the Pandora's box right here. Because one thing I have to ask you first before I jump into this important topic that I have, and that is, is politics the only reason why you stopped picking up double kettlebells?
1: No. Uh, um, at some point, I, I posted it on Facebook the last time I was cleaning the closet. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that Instagram post my, that I was my, referring I to. I
1: found my card, Master of Sports, Direvoy, uh, Master of Sports International Class. Um, I was really, really training for this. But it happened, it's an amazing way how it happened. So to get master of sports world class, it has to be done on world championship or uh, European championship. You have to be on the podium and you have to do the required number of reps for your body, for body weight. So the story goes like this. I was getting ready for my competition in Ireland in 2015. And I signed in for under 85 kilograms and I signed in in April. The competition was in November. But I already had two kids. I didn't want to train so much anymore. It was nice summer. So I said, okay, I'm not going to lose weight. I'm just going to go 88 kilos. So I resigned for under 95. And I was accepted under 95. I was training. I was ready. The training was hard, but the diet was not. So I came to Ireland the one day prior to the competition. There was a waiting. And there, you always get this like a card when you write your body name. And everything was written me under 95 and uh i i waited in in 88.7 or 88.9 kilos uh at i think it was about four o'clock uh, in the afternoon and then i went with my sister for a lunch and in the evening at six or seven o'clock a friend of mine called me and he said oh, there's a problem with your registration because you have to be under 85 so someone was complaining about me competing in 85 because I know who it was, I'm not gonna say it, because he he was afraid that if I'm gonna be in eighty five, he's not gonna get on the podium. And because he was closer to Russians than I was, they they say, Okay, either you're gonna lose four kilos or you're disqualified. So at eight o'clock in the evening, I started go to sauna, running, being, running again, <laughs> went to sauna, running, <laughs> water Waterweight. And- yeah, and Anton Senko was coach of mine. He said, "Look, Gregor, you're gonna run and pee all night, and then at eight o'clock in the morning you're gonna go weigh in, and you're gonna be 85 minus." And I came in the morning. I was delusional. Like I couldn't even see anymore. I was completely <laughs> diabetic. I came on the scale. It was 85.4 or five. So the judge said, "No, no, you cannot compete." We said under 85. So I went for the toilet again. I was spitting whatever was left from my saliva. And then Anton came with the bottle of whiskey. He went into the judge's room. There were lots of screaming, lots of yelling, lots of Russian cursing. He came out and he said, look, you owe me one bottle of whiskey. You can compete. It was nine o'clock in the morning. My set was at one o'clock. So I went to, I, I, I had a breakfast. I had some coconut milk, I went to bed, I woke up, I had some meal, went to bed again, and, and then I came to the platform at one o'clock. I didn't even realize what's going on. But I was so pissed that I did my record at the time, 116 reps with jerk, completely dehydrated, completely tired, but I did 116 reps. And it, after one and a half hour, it was already a snatch set, and... Uh, I just went all out i did only 158. so those were not really amazing numbers i came out third in this competition uh, third or second i'm not sure i think it was third i was on the podium uh i didn't even think how many reps i did i didn't even know i i was completely ex- exhausted mm-hmm. and then i came home um and i got a call from sergey racinski he said oh you were under 85 right and I was like, oh, yeah, I was under 85, because I was always calculating numbers under 95. He said, no, no, on that competition, because you lost so many weights, you were under 85. So your numbers, it was competition on the podium that makes you Master of Sports International class. Congratulations. I was like, oh, so he sent me the, the cards and it was officially. And at that point, I was like, OK, I know I'm not going to do something like this ever, ever, ever again. Huh. The preparation, it was like, it was not only 13 weeks. It was six years plus European yes. championship in May yes. plus this yes. world championship and I said this was my last preparation I'm just gonna enjoy lifting kettlebells from now on so I took like 14 days off um then I went for a uh, for another competition the European championship in in uh, Poland but I didn't really prepare and I came out second from that competition but it was like I was finishing my career at that time hmm mm.
0: Wow, so what? Uh, that's that's a big story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so to answer the question, once I got the Master of Sports International class, I knew there was nowhere else to go as an athlete. I knew if there were Russians on the competition, I could never be first because they're so much stronger. And I knew if there were no Russians, I have those two or three rivals, which we were head-to-head, but we were friends. I didn't really care if I lose or not against them. We were just pushing each other to the limit, and once we reached those genetic potentials, I think I didn't see a point of destroying my body so much because those trainings is really, really heavy mentally and physically that I just say, OK, I'm going to enjoy kettlebells. I did then later on, I did um, the, the long cycle, a few competitions. I did some charity competitions or so I just mm-hmm. showed up on some competitions because I at the time I was really popular, I was attracting people. So if I was invited, I just went without preparation. Um, if I saw that I'm like the the most powerful athlete there or the best athlete there, then I just did and uh, performed the best I could. If there was somebody who was close to me, I was kind of helping him, lifting next to me and then just put kettlebells down so he could beat me and do his personal record and stuff like this. So for yeah for then for two years I was really enjoying being on the platform. It was always fun. It was always I was even better person in competitions because before when I was competing I was not friendly. I was focused. I was not talking to anybody. Maybe sometimes I was arrogant. So sorry to everybody if I was. But but hey, that's that. I I mean
0: that's that's the spirit. That's that's the focus. I mean it's just like just like when you see these guys perform at their peak level. You, we can be friends afterwards, but when exactly. we when we compete, I, I want to eat you alive. That's what it is, man. <laughs> it was not so much,
1: yeah. It was not so so much beating other people than getting my numbers. But the, yes. The beauty of kettlebell sport is that you you're not even sometimes. Yeah, of course, there was some bad rivals, some yeah. rivalry, and it but was head th- to head. But yeah. Yeah, I was beating my own numbers. This this is what was important to me. Hmm. So if I did personal record and somebody some guy beat me, I was happy for him and I was happy for myself. If I came out first on some competition where there was not many good lifters and I underperformed, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. I really, I was never happy with a medal. I was always happy with my performance. So, And I knew I cannot overperform the Master of Sports International class. I just knew it. So it's very, it was hard. It's a little bit of ego. and But I knew it doesn't matter how much I train. I'm not getting any younger. I was already 34, 35 at the time. Or no, 36 at the time. And I just said, look, that's that's enough. I know I can still lift. I can show I can teach. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can just improve as a coach, even Mm -hmm. though I was improving as a coach all the time when I was training. Um, Yeah, I just said, look, I'm I'm not going to do this again. I'm not sorry what I did, but I'm not going to train. And there's
0: no point, right? You just you've reached the, the peak, right? I mean, and- I could
1: still go to competition. I could still be first or second where there was no Russian. I could be second or third where there was Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I said I miss the community. But the problem is that those competitions became expensive. So you had to travel, you yeah, had yeah, to yeah. sleep somewhere. You had to. So it, it became expensive. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then there was only a couple of guys who were doing this. So we said, look, why would we go for a competition to pay for the competition fee to be stressful let's just meet for a beer so I, came, I, went <laughs> <to Ireland. laughs> I went to Ireland we did two or three trainings together it was even yeah better. we did trainings uh, we had so much fun we went for a beer yeah. we had yeah. good conversation there yeah. was no rivalry nothing mm-hmm. and then they came to my place then we went together to Hungary so awesome the community was great yeah
0: I see I think see that's one of the reasons why I don't see a point in in competing in in that regard because it eats up so much of your time yeah and the older you get, the more you value your time. Oh yeah, because that's one thing that you never get back, right? So, if I, it's just like when when people ask me for you know whatever you do, whatever we do, whether whether it's coaching sessions. I mean, I, I run a personal training business and um, focused on kettlebells, uh, which works really well. We have online courses that we're selling. Like the YouTube channel is growing, so everything's really it's 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 growing fast. But here's the thing: if you want my time, you have to pay. Yeah. Right. So, and and if I'm spending my time somewhere where I don't see a return on investment from a, I have to be honest, from a monetary standpoint, then I, unless it's family, and and friends, of course, right, relationships and stuff, that's something else. But I don't see a point in comp- in preparing and competing for something where I have to pay and at the end I get nothing, yeah. or I, I just I just get right. And we have to understand. We know this, right? Kettlebell sport or boy sport is is such a fringe sport. It's it's not entertaining to watch somebody do 160 rep. Nobody n- n- nobody's gonna watch it, right? Yeah. It's and, and recently somebody asked us why it's, why is it not popular? Well, because it's not sexy. No. That's what it is, man. <laughs> it's too long. Yeah, yeah. No, it's wait, not leave. interesting. It's not interesting to watch. If you're a freak and you love this stuff and you're technically very into it and you love kettlebells, but even I love kettlebells and I, I I'm not watching a 10 minute set.
1: I'm never watching
0: right i mean if you're on on the stage it's something else but yeah. i'd rather watch what i like what i like watching is is weight right so one rep with 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 these guys 70 kg body weight lifting what 160 kg clean jerk that's fascinating that's that takes me what 30 seconds to watch he either fails it or he does it right awesome yeah. <laughs> all right or boxing, this is action. So, yeah, it's just- and There's it's no fr- action,
1: exactly. That's that a good word. There's no action in Catalyst. No school. action, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's why it'll always stay fringe. And what about injuries? Do you think if you train with weights like this for a very long time, is this detrimental to the body and did you experience any injuries throughout your time? Um,
1: the hardest injury, it was like blisters here.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, if we all know
1: this. Uh, <laughs> at, at the first, i was lifting too heavy but like i was lucky enough i didn't get injured when i was lifting 40 kilograms but then when i got smarter um the only problem i would say if you lack flexibility if you lack flexibility yes then of course you will get injured sooner or later but if you do the you know the shoulder hygiene the flexibility of shoulders and then if you do the hip flexibility and the pelvic flexibility then the injury it's like when you run at some time they will come to joint overuse and it's same with kettlebells i know that Antona nasenko whose technique is perfect and he still sometimes have uh elbow injuries oh. or or not injury just a little bit mm-hmm. itching pains definitely because lifting 32 overhead there's a pressure on your on your elbow mm-hmm. so there were no injuries if you were lifting it correctly of course you can get injured it's very easy to get injured with any type of training but mm-hmm. if you do kettlebell sport correctly if you use if you hire one of the coaches that we mentioned in the beginning uh they will help you to get through the process without getting injured hmm. the,
0: there there's a saying when it comes to injury and, and i wonder what would what, what you think they say or at least i've heard it say that injury only happens if load exceeds capacity so the the biggest the biggest most important factor when it comes to injury is not your technique but it's the load for example you can deadlift a four kg with the worst form ever and it's not going to hurt so my my personal take on this is of course yes it's true but still technique plays a role what would you say
1: well i think um yeah then still the load but Let's say with 4 kg on the deadlift, you will not get injured with one rep. But if you do it 4,000 times, then you will. So, even if you say, okay, I'm going to just uh, snatch 16 kilo kettlebells because it's very light. But I'm going to do it with uh, really bad technique or dangerous technique. Eventually, I will get injured. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, technique. Uh, people sometimes underestimate the importance of technique when they're warming up or just lifting lightweights or just doing deload week or just some like not really heavy and they're not focused on technique I think every web has to be done perfectly
0: mm-hmm. from my perspective there's also and we can finally for the final point we can also move a little bit into the RKC realm and tension and heart style and the comparison because I'm interested what do you think now with all your knowledge that you have when you compare it to what you learned in the beginning but um when it comes to uh perfection of technique i think sometimes we are especially um on social media and everywhere it's kind of like a little bit the emphasis on technique is sometimes so overblown that i'm thinking man especially when it comes to normal people who just want to train with kettlebells and they're having fun it doesn't have to look like an athlete so if you're not preparing if you're not competing um it's not it's not a big issue if if it's a little bit off right nobody's uh, you're not required to lift very heavy weights and if you and if you don't kill yourself with a with form breaking errors that are really bad for your body then i don't think we have to and it is it's important to emphasize technique but sometimes i feel it is a little bit exaggerated and that's something that that came especially from rkc and strong first where they were like these form generals like hey if you don't do this you are killing yourself and this is kind of like the the i think there's there's supposed to be a balance
1: um well i hope people know that what is the difference between rkc which is kind of hard style and uh, kettlebell sport i think that those those uh, things are not comparable you cannot really compare because it's like comparing apple to oranges you can't because rkc technique is perfect technique for what their goal is so rkc does not has nothing to do with kettlebell lifting they're using kettlebells to introduce you to tension, to introduce you to power, to explosiveness, but this is, that's it. And I would but, say- but may I, But may I
0: interject real quick, uh, Gregor? Yeah. You're saying they're using or they're introducing you to tension, explosiveness, power, but that's exactly what you're building when you are long cycling and jerking, right? Isn't it, isn't it the perfect expression of explosiveness, a solid jerk? then uh, then a heart style swing tension.
1: yeah yeah maybe i maybe I, I said it wrong so they're they're teaching you tension and strength okay and Strength. yeah and then the power um well they still do snatch uh but the way they snatch is uh you can you can uh change arms more often so what i i'm gonna like bite into the, the this apple now I yeah recall. do it do it um you because are...
0: because before you start uh gregor i've had everybody especially uh, kettlebell sport athletes and folks of your caliber i've had everybody uh, i've asked everybody about their opinion because you see that rkc strong first and kettlebell sport is so completely different yeah. that you sometimes ask yourself bro why are and sometimes i even i even critiqued the way how strong first for example does a clean jerk doesn't make no sense at all right yeah. so that's why i'm always asking for these opinions
1: so um i started with rkc and then i went to kettlebell sport because i was interested in master of sports title if somebody comes to me and say look i want to train with kettlebells because i want to get fit because i want to do this because i want to play sport better because i want to be more explosive i will never ever teach them give sport technique never the voice sport technique is i mean you, you cannot say okay we're going to start with this technique and then I'm going to do just a little bit shift. You have to decide immediately. Either you want to go endurance, you want to focus and specialize in Girovoi sport. So we're going to use kettlebells as a tool that's going to bring you to the competition and master of sports level. If this is not your goal, then please just go on the opposite side. If you want to do endurance, go for a run, row, run, whatever cycle. Don't do endurance with kettlebells unless that's that's your goal that's your i don't know you want to do that's your passion but if you just want to get fit then use the hard style technique because it's easier to learn Mm -hmm. you can lift heavier weight you can do high interval training so you can do tabatas you can do whatever Mm -hmm. kind of intervals um and you're gonna get stronger quicker with that technique i know i know that that's something that people don't want to hear especially from me um but let's say i'm now a head coach strength and conditioning for many other sports for volleyball for hockey for handball do you think those guys would be better hockey players if they teach them how to do rack position or how to do a soft style style swing or how to do snatch for 10 minutes with one arm that's that's a different sport so if, if you want to train somebody who is already in sport or who want to be better runner just let him mm-hmm. run and do the strength training with other other um, tools. Mm-hmm. You can introduce kettlebells, but just don't go again copying what he's already doing. So that would be my suggestion. I'm training now over like 100 professional athletes in different sports, and I would never say, okay, let's go for five minutes or except.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's we have to. Yeah, yeah. That that makes total sense. It in our case, uh, because we specialized in kettlebell training for just normal people, we never do, We max what we do is two minutes of clean and press and with one arm switch every rep.
1: Exactly. Or, or snatch exactly. for
0: five reps, right? And then you switch. Up. So I don't see no value in destroying people <laughs> yeah. with a five minute snatch set or or six minute and then one arm switch because that's, then you are, specializing into one particular niche of 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 kettlebell training or kettlebell sport where we say hey you only need this if you go there right i get it but here's where i uh here's where i differ a little bit i do agree that we can build solid gpp with kettlebells with a double front squat with a double press, yeah. with farmer's walks, with clean and presses, even clean and jerks, and not not this 10 minute stuff, right? Just just a solid clean and jerk for let's say like 10 reps and you switch sides after five reps with a 24, 28. That's some solid strength work, encapsulate some endurance, everything. I, I always say the kettlebell touches all basis of human performance or human, human physical qualities, That's right? But here's where I sometimes differ is While we can do deadlifts, press, and squat, and all these grinds with the kettlebell, to me, it doesn't make sense to do a ballistic movement the way the Hardstyle and RKC guys teach it. Because they teach so much tension, where I am saying, listen, if we work with momentum, we have to use an efficient path. Look at the weightlifting guys. This is heavyweight, but they have to follow the most efficient bar path. They have to properly display explosiveness. And if we go even a little bit deeper into explosiveness, we know that if your muscle doesn't act in between 0-1.5 seconds, it's not explosive training. So what would be the best thing to do explosive training? It would be depth jumps. If you listen to Yuri Berchoshansky, for example, right? And so I, I don't see it. I don't see this tension work when it comes to ballistics. That's the only difference where i don't understand why wh- why not a snatch because a snatch is you're moving the weight ballistically
1: um let's right? say let's say it like this um once i learned how to do the technique from as a sport athlete i can grab 64 kilo kettlebell that's the heaviest i have and i can do snatches with it wow but i would yeah. I, I cannot do the same technique uh, that i would use for 10 minute set
0: yeah exactly yeah. Ah, exactly yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So mm. the technique, of course, will be a little bit. And if you if you see me, there are videos on the on on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, probably me doing I don't know 20 snatches with 57 kilo kettlebells. But you say you would say, yeah, that's a hard style. Of course, it's hard style. It's 57 kilos. So I have mm-hmm. to squat down and explosively pull up. So why I would not say that? Uh-huh. You understand? Uh-huh. Cat- I get when what you're saying? Yep. 24 kilos. You of course it's explosive. It flies up. Yeah. but i'm going to use just enough energy that i will leave 24 kilograms and if you want to build pure explosiveness you must use all your energy so you have to go really heavy and if you use 24 kilo kettlebell i don't want to insult anybody but that's not heavy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So 24 yeah. kilograms it's very hard to build maximum explosiveness mm-hmm. so if you want to build explosiveness Let's say jump squats. You're going to use about 30% of your squat, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you want to use explosiveness with your deadlift, you're going to use about 30% of your maximum deadlift. Mm -hmm. But how can you do explosive deadlift? It's a swing. So let's say you can pull 200 kilos off the floor. Explosive deadlift, it's like 70 kilos then. Mm -hmm. So if you have 70 kilo kettlebell, Mm -hmm. then you can trade explosive power with it. And explosive power you will have to train on the hard style fashion. So you will have to tense your body because it's going to be ballistically down explosive up. Yes, yes. So but still,
0: but don't you think, don't you think because it, it because right. when, and I, I, I've i read this through, through the books from Jody Verkhoshansky and also if you listen to uh, the late uh, Louis Simmons from West Side Barbell, who always teaches this, this zero one point oh. five second rule. Yeah. If you are not achieving this quick reaction of the muscle fiber—it's not explosive training. And you are not able to reach that speed with a swing. Doesn't matter how heavy it is. And even I would even I would even say the heavier the kettlebell gets, the longer it takes for your muscles to to push to pull uh, to pump the weight back once it lands in the backswing. Because it's so heavy, so gravity, right? It's pulling everything down, you're squatting, you're never that fast. Uh, and so and so, if that, you're not... Yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. There, there's the, the... You know, usually it starts with the swing, when you go hard style or soft style. Yeah. It never goes further than that. So what is the goal of the swing hard style, and what is the goal of the swing when you do the Girovo sport style swing? if you if you let go let's say you do i perform swing with 64 kilograms the mm-hmm. hard style and if i'm gonna let yeah,
0: me, too. You, me too me too me yeah. too me too yeah
1: i can do both styles with 40 let's say let's just let say 40 kilos
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Do yeah. both
1: styles so yes, if you yes. go hard style and i'm gonna drop the handle on the top the kettlebell is gonna fly forward because i'm i'm, I'm pushing forward so i'm developing forward force If I'm going to do the Girevoy-Sport style swing and I'm going to let drop the handle at the top, the Mm -hmm. kettlebell will stay in the same spot and I'm going to catch it again. When you're doing hard style, you start swing when the kettlebell is behind your body. Yes. So you load your uh, hamstrings and you push forward. Yes. Okay. When you do it correctly, let's say that with the Girovoi sport style, uh-huh. you have to wait until the yes, exactly,
0: yeah, yeah, to... it's, it's it's softer, yeah, we know, yeah. That. yeah,
1: but once the kettlebell passes your knees, you load your quads and then you yeah. stand up. So it's a completely different thing. It's mm-hmm. it's very hard to compare to which one is better, which one is more explosive, because explosiveness on the hard style it starts in the back, explosiveness in the kettlebell sport style starts in the front of your body. Mm-hmm. And I think you you you're using just like this momentum to pull the kettlebell. in just the direction of force on the hard style; it goes forward. On the kettlebell sport style, it goes backward. Here's,
0: but here's but here's a funny thing, uh, Gregor. I had a I had uh, a uh, a physiotherapist and an exercise scientist on. His name is Neil May, okay, and he's from Australia. And he did a study. It was called the Bell Trial. Interesting study. Long story short, he was looking for I think he was looking for older people 59 to 79 years of age he was doing six weeks of kettlebell training and he wanted to see how they improved. That's that's one of the parts of the bell trial. But here's another interesting fascinating story. He said he was doing a 16 kg and and I think a 40 and a 50 kg swing. And he was measuring the 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 force, the, the ground force reaction. Okay. And here's what he found out. And he and he's total heart style. He only does heart style. He said you know how much forward force was in the swing? I said, no, I don't know. He said, less than 10%. On
1: the hard style?
0: Yes, he said, everything is vertical force. Okay. And I said, well, that's with a 16 kg, he said, yes. With the 15 kg, it was even less. Really? I have to sh- send you the video. So this, he that's like the, thats that's data. That's why hey, I'm, hey, hey. that's why I'm, I, I'm, I, I hear all these these talking points around these two styles, right? Around these two ideas. And of course, I, I always differentiated, I've learned this from Sean Mosin. I always differentiated in, into either I wanna build high tension or I wanna build high volume, right? So strength or endurance, Yeah. just to put it bluntly yeah. or very easy to, it's cut and dry. But at the end of the day, I would assume that if we put two folks, and I've said this a couple of times on this podcast, if we would put two guys together, one guy is the heart style snatch guy, and the other guy is the good boy snatch guy, at the end of, let's say, like 30 days, I would assume the difference is probably not that big. Because because it's touted that this extreme, uh, this extreme application of tension in the heart style realm builds explosive force. And I'm assuming that based upon what we know when it comes to explosive force, it's not enough time to build true explosive power. Yeah. And so the kettlebell flies up, not forward. So again, we have a difference there. So my assumption would be that the difference is probably less, maybe 5% or 2%. And if you're chasing these 2%, I got you. But for most cases, and here's the reason why I'm saying this, it doesn't make sense to tense your body that hard if there isn't a major difference at the end when it comes to the snatch. Of course you have to tense your body like crazy if you wanna pull 200 kg- kgs off the floor, of course. Nah. You cannot slouch, right? You have to build tension and you have to make everything strong. But here's the major difference between a 200 kilogram deadlift and running. We understand it. Nah. But in kettlebells, it's, I think the difference is not that big. I think it's rather a marketing gig.
1: Um yeah, I do you always, say, right? I was always saying uh, if you want to be really explosive, like you have to lift heavier kettlebell. you cannot build explosiveness with very light kettlebell because you know that explosiveness is how fast you can move. Exactly. You have yeah. to move a different a, a certain weight. Yes, if you look at the strength curve at about 33 percent, you can still move at the natural speed of your joint. and if you keep adding weight, above 33 to maybe 40 percent your speed of the movement the angular speed of your joint will be the same after that the speed of your joint will slowly come down so you're building uh you're, you're adding weight you, the speed comes down so the curve slowly goes yes. down to, to less force so yeah i was never really thinking about what you explained um, into such details um but as i mentioned if i train let's say other athletes, not voice sport athletes, then I'm just, just teaching them to, not to tense, but to go heavy, let's say like this. heavy, ah, so, okay. yeah, maybe not to tense, maybe the tension and, was the wrong expression.
0: And see, that, that's the reason why, why, why I'm getting there, because when you look at all these professionals when they prepare, and, and and when you read through the Russian literature, when it comes to the sports performance, very rarely do they mention kettlebells. Often, what I see all the time is squats, squats, what? Barbell. Barbell squats, I see this almost every athlete does them.
1: You, you know where the kettlebells are in, mentioned in the Vrkoshkanski's book? Jumps on the squat. Jump, exactly. Jump squats. That's it. That's, I was like, I was <laughs> because <laughs> I got into Yuri
0: Vrkoshkanski because Pavel was talking about him, right? So Dr. Yuri, blah, 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 blah. And, and so I was like, wow, this guy's the... This. And I read two of his books, didn't understand a word, right? So it's so, so tough to understand what he says. I think it's so sports science-specific, right? You have to be a nerd to understand that, this. But it was a great experience reading through it and not understanding anything. And then I was like, okay, where's the kettlebell stuff? <laughs> and I'm I'm skimming through the book and then I see, oh, kettlebell, squat yeah. jumps. Yeah, four sets of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. So yeah. I'm like, and here, here's the thing where I'm like, okay, everybody, or, or people, I mean, we know n- now that we know more about the kettlebell. We know it, it has USP. It has a USP. It is a great tool for for let's say like 99% of the population who are not athletes who just want to get in better shape. It touches on endurance, some strength, some explosiveness. It's easy. It's 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 uh, uh, um, doesn't you have to go that much out of your comfort zone to lift it. You just need a lot of uh, 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 you don't need a lot of space. So all these powerful benefits. But when it comes to sports and athletic performance. I would assume that kettlebells don't play a huge role.
1: No. Um, there, this is one of the reasons why I put most of my kettlebell stuff off when I write series or when I introduce myself, because at some point it was when I was uh, assigned to a Handball National Association as a strength coach, they were all saying, oh, now we're going to lift kettlebells. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not going to lift kettlebells. And they were like, so why, why are you so special then? I was like I don't know. I mean, you well, so special. Yeah, I was missing kettlebells, but yes. my knowledge goes way above that uh-huh. lifting kettlebells only. So yeah, this is why I'm I'm cleared all the titles when I introduce myself. I never say master of sports anymore because I was master of sports in kettlebell sport. I'm not master of sports in any other sport. So I'm just just a coach, mm-hmm. uh, strength and conditioning coach, and this is really mm-hmm. my profession. And mm-hmm. so kettlebells was my passion. But that's my profession ah, so it, so it went way. hand in hand for some time yeah. i have in my gym yeah i use them for swings i use them for jump squats from university, yeah. university. Mm-hmm. when i train athletes um i use them in group trainings we have group trainings yeah. like, yeah. like fitness stuff yeah yeah. so course. when you, you would change hands for eight minutes yeah it's all yeah it's, awesome. it's cool that's, that's yeah, amazing yeah. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah for for professional athletes i don't go above five reps so we go swings for activation we do some mm-hmm. jump squats for or post activation or something mm-hmm. but yeah otherwise we leave it barbells we jump we do lunges we do mm-hmm. everything as a like normal coaches do <laughs> and
0: see and, and isn't it funny that we're always looking for the the magic trick or the magic hack when at the end of the day uh, bulgarian squats or this type of squat or that type of squat and when you talk to these weightlifting folks which i've also had on on the podcast or you read these books it's just squats man it's just put put barbells on your back or you do jump squats right or lunges right these the basic exercises which athletes have used or coaches have distributed since forever are the ones that work and build your gpp the most right
1: you know i was in a, when i was when i finished with kettlebells you know uh, michael he was one of the strongest men in the world mm-hmm. he was also in my place i always invite coaches to my home because i want to mm. meet them personally so mm-hmm. he was staying for four days in my home uh he broke my sofa because he was 168 kilos at a time <laughs> <laughs> my god yeah. yeah but he he was like lifting 360 wow. kilos in my gym yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. that's uh, He invited me to Russia into Chekhov. There was a crosslifting camp. There was a uh, Dimitri Kloko, you know the yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, the legend. So He was there and then was uh, Dimitri Beresto, the Olympic gold medalist in mm. weightlifting. So I met mm. all those guys. We were training for 10 days and after 10 days I asked so Dimitri, what do you think I'm training, you know, volleyball players? What do they, what they need to do to be better? And he said, well, "Let them play volleyball." And I said, "Yeah, but do they, what would you do? the snatch, or do they get more explosive?" He said, "No. You build explosiveness with jumps and squats, and you build technique with snatch. So for athletes, don't use kettlebell, don't use Olympic lifts. And they are such a benchmark, but the more I think about it, and he said, no, don't do cleans, don't do snatches, don't do jerks with your athletes. Those are techniques. Because they don't say it's an exercise, it's a technique. So snatch is a technique, jerk is a technique, and uh, clean is a technique. So they're training techniques, but they're building strength and explosive power with basic exercises like box, uh, like um, jumps, deadlifts, and squats. And that's it. Of course, they're lifting heavy, but the trainings of the snatch is just improving technique, like with kettlebells. You're improving your technique. You're mm-hmm. using kettlebells to improve your technique. Every repetition is... Mm-hmm. improving your technique mm-hmm. the better you are the heavier you can lift and the faster you can go but you're still improving your technique but building endurance Anton made me run uh, two times per week for 45 minutes two times per week for one hour he made me run and upon that I had to do snatch so he nice. said you're going to build your endurance with running yes it yes yeah. run. it what what uh, dr kenneth what what all
0: right what uh, uh, the cardio code it, it's this code. man build locomotion that's it you cannot come uh, i would i would maybe say that after reading his book i would i would argue that maybe a kettlebell sports snatch set with a lighter kettlebell like maybe let's say like 16 or 20 for a half marathon could maybe come close to some locomotion like rowing or running or cross cross cross-country skiing right but i love how we right how he explains this 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 relationship between tension and the perforation of the muscles and the heart heart wall and everything um but i love it i mean dimitri Klokov says hey man it's squats it's jumps and squats that's it there you go
1: yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I wanted to know the secret and he said, no, too <laughs> much no technique. Secret. Yeah, they say, everybody wants to know the Russian secret. Yeah, the
0: Russian secret, right? And yeah, and Pavel capitalized on it, the Russian
1: secret. Yeah, you're on
0: Soviet territory now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, the, the secret is in training. You have to train, there is no, I think no. there, of course, there are some secrets. Then once you're at your genetic potential, of course, you have yes. to play and stuff. But yes, the secret is in discipline. But here's the here's the thing. When I was talking
0: to uh, Dr. Michael Yeses, he said that um, I I love how Klockoff says it. He says let just let them play volleyball, right? So Dr. Michael Yeses would say he would say let them play, but have a biomechanist analyze their movements, and then have them have them get together, and then teach them what kind of movement patterns they have to improve. Right. From a biomechanical level, like for running, for example, I, I I always thought running is just simple, right? It's this, it's right, boom, 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 boom. But he says no, 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 no. There's a paw back. There's a, when you lift the leg, blah, blah, blah. It's all this technique that goes into it. And then in his in his book, he lays it out with images where you can really see it. Like you see, th- this is perfect. Perfect technique is when when one leg lands, the other leg is like. The, when the when one leg le- lands and the other le- leg gets ready for the for the uh, for the extension, you should see that there's that from the side it looks like there's only one leg. For example, that's perfect technique. So this is where he comes from. He says, yes, you can always improve every athlete from a biomechanical perspective, from his athletic performance, the way he does the ex- the way he does the sports motion, the sports movement. Yeah. right and this is where this is uh, what i understand at least from that perspective but um there is no secret when it comes to building for example gpp it's always these basic basic exercises but still what do you make out of this that so many so many people say there's this kettlebell effect or the what the hell effect i'm doing swings and all of a sudden my deadlift goes up or i'm doing this and
1: all of a sudden that what do you think is behind this um well for somebody who did nothing and starts training I mean even if he would lifting like a bag of potatoes he would <laughs> yes, exactly so that's for the guys who never did anything whatever you do at the beginning it's gonna you're gonna improve exactly I think for those people who improve let's say the power lifters who improve their deadlift because he starts using swing is just because he rested a little bit from the from the deadlifts let's say if you know the um of course you read the west side barbell from louis simmons mm-hmm. he said okay let's not bench for some time let's just do yes yes let's just do tricep something else and then you come yes. back to bench press and you're stronger yes or the late uh, charles polyquin yeah 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 he said if you're going to improve the exter- external rotation your bench press will go up you know uh, he he has this uh, do you know how the protocol goes for the strength and say?
0: Uh, f- from Charles Poliquin I don't know but, but I know, you said, it. If, I know. Your,
1: if your bench press is 100 kilos then you have yep. to be able to lift 9.2 percent of external rotation for eight repetitions if you cannot these then your external rotators are not strong enough to support your shoulders on the bench press okay you, there's a big possibility you will get injured and because the muscle in the back is not strong okay the, the front cannot produce force okay so then you increase the strength in the back muscles and your bench press improves yes so those are tricks of course those are tricks yes. uh, but i think if you want to get really strong you have to practice that movement i really like um the, one of the best coaches i ever met in person it was three times uh sorry two times in person was pavel tzulin he's the most knowledgeable coach wow yeah yeah, he's the most know- which i met in person and i met lots of coaches in person wow and he's made he's talking so simple. He doesn't overcomplicate anything. Even his books are so straightforward. Yeah, yeah. And his writing style is captivating. Yeah, it's, it's and it makes
0: so much. He oh, he also makes a lot of sense. Even though, even though I sometimes do, I intentionally do this because it. it uh, um, it, sometimes. What I've learned on my YouTube channel is when I involve his name in the title, the views always go up. Yeah. So so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I mention him and I say some funny stuff, right? But at the end of the day, um, that's that's interesting to hear, right?
1: Wow. Yeah. Um well he was the first author which I read from but then because you know I was I came to United States I was one of the two uh, European guys who came to United yes. States
0: to Minnesota right? No. So, yeah,
1: yeah so there was yeah in Minnesota so he immediately we re- we re- related a little bit better and then he invited me to Denmark and then we spent some time together there and uh, I think he really knows so much -hmm. Um, And I really like with him; he doesn't overcomplicate. It's three to five reps, three to five sets, three basic exercises. You continue to this, you will get stronger. Of Mm -hmm. course, there are then a little bit assistant and loading, deloading everything this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for eighty percent of people, for eighty percent of the time, if you just follow his program, you will get stronger. Uh, Most definitely. Yeah. It's
0: just, it's just what, w- when, when you start then reading Dr. Jure Verkhoshansky's work and these sports scientists, then it goes into, they take it to the moon. But then I think it is a, a system that is only reserved for High-level exactly. athletes that are that have really peaked, and now it is time to really go into the minute details and see what we can find if we can improve maybe a couple of percent in 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 that regard.
1: That that was with me when I read all the book and even some some books from Russia, from Platonov. It's in Russian, seven hundred mm-hmm. pages. Yeah, book. yeah. yeah. Those are so many details, and what I wanted to do is to train everybody according to those books, and I was overcomplicating. Yes. Um, Yes. It it was too much, so I I couldn't really gather together what's important in those books. So now that I have the knowledge from those books, from those authors, from those coaches, I know I can use it when I need to. But Mm -hmm. I'm using eighty percent of what Pavel says all the time now. So it's eighty percent the basics. The base yes, yeah. so just get stronger and then when the when you see that somebody has some issues with progression then you can add a little bit tricks and then you pull out again and then you add from the other side so you're just adding small like salt and pepper on your big dish that you have in front of you so you don't start with salt and pepper but you start with a big dish and then slowly add if you need something And what I did, I know I overcomplicated. I was all the percentages for everybody. But at some point, I started to understand that if you have an athlete who trains two times per day, who have two competitions or two games per per week, you cannot go, okay, today we're going to do 78%. -hmm. No, he's tired today. Maybe 78 is Mm going to be just too heavy. So you you just say, okay, three to five reps until you feel strong. And since I started doing this, I have so much free time and athletes are so much happier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think you also have to factor in, for
0: example, if you have... Um, I, I've watched the documentary, uh, what was it called, Red Wings or Red Army, from the, this legendary um, Soviet hockey team Oh yeah. that yeah. was, that was yeah. dominating, they were dominating the, the sports. Uh, and the the, the the Olympics. And then they were kind of scattered. Everything broke down. And then these guys reunited in the Philadelphia Flyers or something like this. And then they were crushing it because they had this kind of, I love this, this hive mind mentality. They were training with each other for so long. And they were—they—they were, I, I, said something like they were pissing blood and they were vomiting because the training was so tough back under the Soviet regime. But it was like, hey, it was completely different. And and in that regard, I think you have to understand what kind of athlete do you have, and what and, and what what incentive is in 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 the sport or the athlete if you train a, a Ronaldo or a Messi where where millions of dollars is behind it and they want to win championships that that make them millions and millions, and you have an ath- asset that is worth millions, of course, you wanna use every single rule in the book that you know to to tweak and make them maybe an inch faster or an inch stronger, right, a- a- applicable to the sport. But I think for most athletes or for most people, it's just not something that, that they have to apply, right?
1: Exactly um for me it was a big challenge for me because uh like i said i work in volleyball hockey handball um and i was really over complicating but um as, as you mentioned you have to build like 80 percent of the system is very simple and the same for for all athletes and maybe even all sports mm-hmm. i know for volleyball you don't need endurance too much of course mm-hmm. you need to be able to stay awake for three hours <laughs> as long as the game is about it uh, <laughs> And for hockey, you need a little different endurance and for handball. But, okay, let's go for strength. Every athlete needs to be stronger. So, in volleyball, if you're going to have stronger legs, you're going to jump higher. Of course, you have to convert it into to, to explosiveness later. Uh-huh. In handball, if you're stronger, you're going to jump higher, you're going to run faster, and you're going to tackle stronger. In hockey, if you're stronger, you're going to skate faster, you're going to tackle stronger. So, strength is related to all those sports. Yeah. And you're, going to, you're not going to build those, this plan different, so it's not going to be hockey squat, handball squat, or volleyball squat. <laughs>
0: oh, you can no, make money with this.
1: Oh well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this it's the hockey idea. squat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, marketing game. Yeah. Okay, it's a squat. so hockey players have a little bit different position of squatting because they skate a lot, so their hips a little bit. Uh, and but yeah, but you, they will adjust squat technique to skating. You will uh, not adjust their skating technique to squatting. And I think that's very important what coaches do. They say, okay, you're going to squat perfectly. doesn't matter your body type. I want you to go ass to the grass, knees out. No, 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 no. If you have two meter tall athlete, you don't want them to go ass to the grass. You're just going to use box. That's enough. If you want to do the full knee flexion, you're going to use lunges or you're going to use front foot elevated squat
0: what can you explain why you wouldn't have a lot lar- one thing i understand a tall person it yeah. has most of the time they are limited in their mobility to a certain extent in their hips but wh- what would be the other reason why you wouldn't have a tall athlete go down atg if if he could
1: oh if yeah if he can um huh. then i would at some point, I would do it like off season. I like my athletes to improve their mobility, especially on the back squat. So, if they can, if I can improve them to go closer as to the grass, that's or ATG, uh, it's okay, it's okay for me. But the most force you produce at about 90 degree angle, yeah. And the tall athletes' their leverages are so long, so the yeah, exactly. The knee, and then I just say, look, if you want to do the, the full knee flexion, because why you do squat, you want to do Explosive power. So, you want to really build power uh-huh. from the position or a little bit lower that you, you're going to use it in your game. Mm-hmm. But you want to have safe joints because you, you will never produce power from the full squat playing handball, playing volleyball. It's always from the half squat or a little bit less. So, if I want to protect the joint, I want to do the full range of motion. I will go, you know, the guy, um, mm-hmm. knees over toes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing for your knees. That's amazing for your hips. You're doing the full knee flexion, you're doing the full mm-hmm. hip flexion without straining too much on your lower back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that everybody is ready for heavy ATG squats. Mm-hmm. Or I don't think that every athlete needs it or that he would improve from going ATG. Mm-hmm. That, that's my, my point. So during the season, I never, use my, I never make my athletes do squat. I always make them do box squats mm-hmm. up to the knee level. Mm-hmm. so athletes who are tall they're going to use 70 centimeter box athletes who are short they're mm-hmm. going to use 50 centimeter box mm-hmm. so i want them to squat from where they can produce the most power so that's in season there's another mm-hmm. reason why i use box squats uh, because uh, i don't want them to be too much time under tension on the way down on the squat only this is not i'm not i'm not escaping the time under tension i just want them to come past control to the position from there where they will push so mm-hmm. i really use squat for strength production for force production only and i use the assistant exercises to be like prevention um injury prevention stuff or just like building muscle symmetry i use unilateral stuff most of the time and then on the unilateral stuff i go full uh, full range of motion oh interesting
0: i hey, mean that's why i love having these podcasts because uh, i had a guy on his name is Andrew Charniga, and he was uh, he is a weightlifting scientist. He did he, he did weightlifting for like forty years, and then became a coach and stuff. And he has a bo- he has a blog that's called Sportivni Press. Mm-hmm. And so I have to send it to you because I I talked to him and he was like, if you don't make an athlete, if if an athlete is doing quarter squats, you're playing god. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying why he says because the you the knee is supposed to go into full flexion because there's a so-called wrapping effect. I looked it up, I said, ooh, there really really is. Then he said, the biggest biggest pressure on the knee is at 90 degree angle. And as soon as you go down, so the hip goes down to the floor, the pressure is gone. And he says, if you don't squat down, he said there's something like, I don't know, 16 bones in the ankle joint or something like this, or even more. If you don't squat down as far as you can, then these bones never get to work. So you are limiting uh, flexion and you're you're limiting movement. And I said, okay, so what's the gist of it? He said, here's the thing. The reason why soccer players, football players and NBA players are always injured is because they're not doing an ATG squat. And I said, why? He said, and it's interesting. He said, because they're building so-called internal resistance. And I said, what is internal resistance? He said, there's two kinds of internal resistance. The first one is the natural one. So for example, if I extend my arm, uh, my biceps is making sure that I don't break my elbow, right? So this is natural resistance, this is good. But the other type of internal resistance is if you don't allow full bending or flexion. And then what happens is when the athlete trips or falls or, 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 or whatever happens, then what happens is the, the, the joint goes into immediate full flexion. And because it's not used to it, it's going to break. So this internal resistance that builds up then explodes in the joint. And there you have an injury.
1: Yeah, this is I agree completely. And um, this is why I use all the unilateral stuff in the full range of motion. Um, so the lunge, you know, I do the front foot elevated. Stuff. Yeah. So you yeah. Really, really push your knee. Really forward. push it. For, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I think I mean, if he's a scientist, I would never go argue. I could talk to him and I would, I would uh, explain my thesis to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I would love to listen or to hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And I agree completely. If you don't train the full range of motion, you're just asking for injury. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is why I'm using the whole range of motion, but unilaterally, because I think on the squat, there's another thing. Let's say I get athletes when they're 22, 23, and they were never doing deep squats. And if I come to the club and I say, "Okay, guys, this season we're gonna start deep squats," probably they're gonna take the light out and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> but I say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep your squats because I know you feel confident and you feel strong in your range of motion." Some guys are doing ATG, some guys not. But what I add is full range of motion on the system exercises. So this is what I add slowly. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, to slowly move them into into. This full yeah. range and
1: off season, yeah, off season. I say off season, we're gonna deload. We're gonna go really light, and I want you to go as, yes, yes. as you can and go off yeah. season. I try to, to make it Yes, up. and I
0: think and I think there's a, there's a big point to make when when you're going into full flexion ATG with heavy weight. If you're not a weightlifter, probably you have no business of. Packing that heavy weight on your back, right? It's so what I
1: think also,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, I I feel it. I mean, my my I wasn't I wasn't in my life. I wasn't very strong. So uh, my max squat was something like maybe 120 or 30 or something, but not never ATG. Just down maybe to quarters, uh, not quarter, half squat and then back up, right? And now since I've started incorporating this 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 idea of never limiting flexion. I am just using way less weight on the back squat, but I go as far down as I can. And with our clients, just normal people, we do this as well. It's like, hey, the idea is don't limit bending. And then you have some people, they're just, they are limited. And some people, I think it's mentally, then we have other people with artificial joints. That's another story. And then you have people who are just, they they, they lack the mobility. And then I always say, just go as far down as your hip allows it. There you go. But I think he said, And that's what I got from Andrew. He said, when you allow this full flexion movement, it just transfers way better into everyday life because you're not limiting the joints, you're not limiting the muscles, you're not limiting the ligaments. And then he went on a rant where he said, well, people are taping uh, their foot and everything. So you are limiting movement even more. And then you're asking yourself why these guys are hurting themselves because you're limiting movement and you're playing God.
1: And so, yeah. For, for, we say, okay, we say athletes and normal people. I hope Yeah, it's, it's two different things, <laughs> most definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I have one friend of mine who is also a coach who introduced me into, into professional sports, but uh, cat, uh, not kettlebell, but uh, like fanball and stuff as a coach. Uh, and he was explaining this. He said, okay, um, how many times in your life, not doing squats, will you squat down bilaterally, fit in the same direction so it's not it doesn't happen often usually it's one one leg a little bit in front Mm -hmm. or one leg a little bit higher Mm -hmm. so he he was also saying yeah deep squats are important to somebody at some point but try to do a little bit offset squat so put one leg a little bit higher and one leg a little bit lower so you squat all the way down and one leg goes into full flexion in the knee or in the hip and the other one doesn't and then change So you are training full range of motion, but not bilaterally. I'm using this for one year now with my athletes and even with my elderly clients, I I also do some personal training. I try to avoid it, but I take some people, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which, which, um, I take people, which I, I feel they can fill me up with energy. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ah, yeah. This is how I choose uh, clients. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Awesome. Oh yeah. I make them do like one step, one leg is a little bit higher, and they squat down, so one leg really comes knee up to here, and the other one is not in the full flexion. And those people cannot go ATG squat, but mm-hmm. if I, if I go offset, they can bring one leg at a time in the full flexion. So mm. there are a little bit tricks. Yeah, and, of and making
0: I think this it's a there's a lot of skill transfer to everyday life when you make things awkward because most of the t- or many times you 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 are like you. That that's sometimes where people are over exaggerating the importance of always keep everything neutral and feet have to blah blah and you're like life doesn't work that way okay. and it, it's awkward life is awkward and sometimes there will be an imbalance because you 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 do things differently or it's just like with the individual squat which i've learned now now listening to andrew i always Tell people, make sure you go down as far as you can, but I'm not yelling at folks if they're not able to do it. Then I'm like, listen, like I said, allow your hips to move as far down as you can because we always have to understand that people have that life is different for everybody and everybody's built different to a certain extent. And that's why I think this makes so much sense to have to have an offset squat, or maybe take your foot to the left or to the right, and then maybe go, that's why I think lunges are so awesome, right? Because the lunge is that one exercise where you go for, I mean, what what knees over toes guy, what Patrick did is not something special or new. It's just a, a forward lunge where you go into maximum flexion which you see, the weightlifting guys have done since forever, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think the reason why it became so popular is because you have so many coaches or, and and just normal people thinking that full flexion is bad,
1: or, or that the knees shouldn't go above toes. Exactly, <laughs> which and is I, such it's such a myth, right? I usually mm-hmm. ask people. Imagine uh, that the people, uh, athletes or clients, come and they say, "Well, I don't want to do." squats or anything where my knee goes over my toe exactly. and i say okay then please go downstairs yeah. do it. <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> it's not possible so <laughs> exactly. this is how i convince them it's it's simple you, you have to yeah. if you go downstairs forward yeah. knees over toes. <laughs> that's
0: that's why i love when i talk to people who just make pure sense right it, it's it sounds so funny but in in the fitness world sometimes you think people who don't make sense are the ones that get the biggest crowds and views and clicks and the ones who just follow logical conclusions that just make sense so that even a kid understands it, nobody listens to it. It's too simple. It's too, right? It's too, it can't be that simple. Well, it it actually is. It's just what I'm talking to clients about weight loss. Just yesterday I had one client here and she said, well, I've heard, you know, if I don't eat, if I, if I eat way too less. I go into this um, starvation mode where my body doesn't uh, burn fat and then I even gain fat. I said, well, have you ever seen people in captivity? (laughs) She said, yes. Well, what do you think? How much food do they get? Maybe the bare minimum, depending on what country you're in captivity in. Look, Look how they look like. They lose weight like crazy. It's a horror, but of course you will lose weight. It's just a plain. Muscle most of the time. You will lose muscle. You will lose. You will lose everything, yeah. right? So it's just a plain fact of reality, and so with training, it's the same thing. And, and and that's one of the realizations that I had after talking to so many people now on the podcast and reading these books. I I could we 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 could maybe say that every athlete is probably supposed to do squats. Hundred uh, right?
1: percent. Yeah. Well, squat is like um, they say the mother of all lifts or the father of all lifts oh. but let's say i have a 10 year old son and he cannot squat okay he cannot because um, his ankles does not allow them at the time maybe it will change maybe when he will grow but his ankles are really tight so my daughter she can squat down like she was born with a barbell on her back <laughs> and my son can't so mm-hmm. it's the same genetics. It's the same father, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, the, the, the ankle has been built differently. The mm-hmm. tendons, the muscles, how they grow, it's different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not coaching my kids. I, I said I will never coach my kids. I'm their father, so they have coaches in their clubs and I, mm-hmm. I just go and watch the game. Mm-hmm. But they, when I see them squat on the training, sometimes I come a little bit early and I see them squat, I see he has problems with squat. Mm-hmm. now I ask myself should I teach him how to squat or will he learn how to squat will not doing the full flexion bilaterally influence his life or not mm. so I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything I ask him a few times okay can I see your squat he does a few squats I see what the problem is but I'm not mm-hmm. going to say okay now stand straight toes out hips out mm-hmm. let's go no you just okay, I see there still some issues, maybe when he will be 16. And uh, if the coach will start loading weight, then I will say, okay, before now you we... load him, then Ex- we go. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Ex- yeah. So it's it's like letting letting him or, or letting especially a kid or, or even if, or a sedentary person that who never moved before, let them learn the movement first and let them see where their limitations are but when it comes to loading then we have to follow proper procedures 100 percent but as soon as it's body, as long as it's body weight and just finding out and i see this with kettlebells as well and that's why i sometimes get hung up when or what i that's just maybe experience talking when people say what it's supposed to look like this oh, no. and then i'm saying no no you know you don't understand people are built differently people move differently and yes they follow the same biomechanical reality of the exercise it's hips and then it's arms arms extended rack but whatever you have swing hips back chest uh, 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 spine straight all that kind of stuff but it still looks a little bit different yeah and that's totally fine
1: right if you look if you go a little bit back to kettlebells if you look at uh, ivan deniso snatching he's yeah. such a huge guy and he will go side to side yeah he just leans he looks like a big bear who's a little bit drunk <laughs> and goes up and down. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, yes. but, uh we were we were making jokes about this. Okay. He was even doing it in my gym. Uh uh-huh. And then if you look at Anton, it's different technique. If you look at Trudno, he's almost jumping up when he's catching. So exactly. they're all top athletes. They are all Master of Sports International class, and even above that. But they adjusted to their body type, adjusted to their background, adjusted to their whatever it is. Yes. The, yes. You always adjust a little bit to how you can do it the most efficiently.
0: And I think that's one of the points when, when you realize, when you learn more about that stuff, the less you know. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, it's <laughs> you, you, you think you finally found out, and then you see, okay, now I talk to these high-level coaches and athletes, and they all do it completely differently. They all have different movement paths and they're like, wow, this is this is incredible, right? Everybody finds their path and yeah. there are a, a, maybe some, some very small absolutes that you can teach and do, that you can say that they work, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's like, wow, it's the, the human being, us human beings were so complex and you mentioned factors. So yesterday I had this conversation about pain and this one client, she said, you know, my physiotherapist, because we were working out, we were training, and she's technically very sound, shows she has a great kinesthetic sense. She's 50 years old. We mostly have people 40, 50, 60. And, and, and then uh, we were working out, we were training, and a, a, after a couple of trainings, she started getting some headaches. She was like, I don't know, something shoots up here, and then she gets, she gets a headache. And I was like, well, and she said, what is this? I, I said, well, I don't know. Maybe talk to your doctor, talk talk to the physiotherapist, blah, blah, blah. So she comes back after the physiotherapist and then she comes with this concise and clear explanation as to why she has that pain. And the only thing that I said was, listen, we listened to your physiotherapist, what he said. If you want my opinion, I think it is not that cut and dry. It is pain is a very complex matter that is not... She was like, you know, I was doing this and that, and I was like, no, you you weren't doing yeah. nothing Did wrong you do with your ne- Yeah, it, it's just it's it's inexplicable, yeah. and maybe certain exercises trigger it. We found out what happens or what triggered the ex or what triggers her this mechanism. Now we found out after a couple of more sessions that she's getting stronger. She still feels it, but it goes away very quickly, and so I'm like, see, it's yeah. and, and so. Yeah, and, and I've stopped and I've stopped ex- trying to explain it with this absolute sense. Oh, this is exactly why that happens.
1: You cannot say, you know, you never can say this uh, unless you get hit by a car and you say, hey, it was because of the car. Yeah, of, of
0: course, it, it was a car accident.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, There's one thing that I was just talking to coaches, I don't know, one week ago. Why are we not doing the same protocol again? Because And I said, look, because you're a different person now. So, your body mm. adapted to this. So, we need to change something, otherwise, you will not get more adaptation. And uh, this is exactly mm. when you say the pain. Maybe this exercise caused the pain in, in this moment. Maybe if you will repeat this exercise in one month, it will not cause that pain. But maybe your bone structure will be different. Maybe your muscle balance will be different at that time. Maybe your tension will be different because you were sleeping on the other side of the pillow or whatever. So yeah, your body always adapts, and this is why it's different from all the other mechanisms. The other mechanism will always go and will stay the same. Three sets of five, it will always be three sets of five. It's mathematically or physically. But your body will adapt to three sets of five, so you have to do something with that. Increase the weight, but at some point you will not be able to increase. So you have to increase the reps, Mm increase the number of sets, change the exercise. Mm -hmm. And if you come back to the same protocol after two years... It will not work the same because you have already adopted and you're a different person than you were two years ago. So. Exactly. Exactly. The, best. the human body is the best thing to to research. And then, of course, then you have the mental part. Uh, I mean, that's not even, I mean,
0: just talking about the biomechanical reality of, of joint action and muscles and tendons. But right. then when when you factor in the mind, <laughs> that's why it becomes such a, a multi, multi-faceted, situation where you cannot pinpoint it and that's kind of like sometimes it's frustrating as a coach where you cannot really pinpoint the matter the only thing that i can say is, well you weaken the legs that's why you're unable to squat yeah right that that's it right but when it comes to these minute things like pain or certain imbalances or whatever sometimes it's like or one client uh, where you have limited shoulder range of motion on one side and the other side's completely fine with it, all kind of mobility work with it, this and that. And then I've realized, you know what? I think it'll it'll
1: stay that way.
0: Does it hurt? No. Does it limit you? No. Let's
1: exactly. leave it. Yeah. Let's leave it, if right? It's not, if it's not bothering you or if it's not dangerous, then yeah, don't put too much tension. You, what, I, what I noticed, if you have some problem, let's say, like you said, in your left shoulder, you're going to... Put so much energy into this left shoulder that it's gonna tense up anyways. Oh, <laughs> that's a good leave point. It there. <laughs> that's
0: that's a relax. good point. That's a good point. Most definitely. Virgo, hey, let's end it with this note. Um wow, it's been a, a fascinating discussion. I think we talked for over two hours. This is massive, man. Man, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you showing up. There's a lot of lot of value and wisdom in it. Uh, we have this podcast is a lot of coaches and trainers tune into this podcast on Spotify, especially, and we are getting close to the 1,000 subscriber mark with the o- uh, podcast. only. I mean, the big channel that I have is close to uh, 80,000 subscribers now, but the the podcast is is a small thing, but it, but it's growing, which is beautiful. And why I think there's so much there's, there's so much value, so much wisdom in it. And the more I learn from guys like you, the more I understand. It's learn as much as you can but don't hold on to it too much. Because as soon as you start working with people, it's, it's, not, it's not black and white. It's everything's nuanced. That's what it is.
1: Those two hours flew like 15 minutes. It's
0: crazy, it's I, crazy. I always
1: like to talk about uh, trainings and body and whatever to, to whoever, especially a guy like you who obviously know a lot, who read a lot, who met a lot of people. Mm. So it's, for me, it's always experience. And mm. sometimes when I'm invited to lecture, l- I learn more than the people who are listening to me. Oh. Really, really, uh, I had the lecture for the hockey association, and the questions that are coming to me, I have to think so much. Maybe sometimes I can't answer. I say, "Okay, I'm, I'm not able to answer." But then I go deep, and I and I learn the, the, exactly. even in the same evening. I learn so much new. So I'm gonna dig for all the information you gave me now. <laughs> yeah, um, um,
0: one one of the most important things that you have to check out is sportiv- sportivnipress.com. I'm gonna send you the link. It's I think it's one of that's the such a valuable database from from Andrew Charniga, the weightlifting scientist. He's totally focused on weightlifting, and uh, he has a lot of good stuff to say. And the guys that I had on the podcast, I don't want to boast, but the guys, not me, the guys that I had on the podcast, the conversations. They're just so fascinating. you you hear so much good stuff. I, yeah, I love doing this. it's such it's always such a great a learning experience. That's the major reasons why I do this. I mean, i spend I spend hours talking to people, then it gets like, what? A couple hundred views. I, I don't even care for a second about the views because what I learn in these conversations, it just elevates my 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 knowledge to a place where I'm like, wow, this is I have to do is do this
1: all the time. Fascinating.
0: So Gregor, hey man, thank you so much for showing up. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And I have to say, um, I've been invited to many podcasts and this one is really looks professional. Uh, I like the conversation, the knowledge stuff. So congratulations to you too. Also appreciate
0: it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you find this episode helpful, consider becoming a Kettle Knight. Simply click the join button on our YouTube channel and become a podcast supporter.